0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 179 of At Odds With Wrestling, Joe and Adam here. Adam, how are you?
1: I'm doing good, Joe, but more importantly, you sound human again.
0: Yes, I sound much better. Um, I was able to pinpoint exactly where all this happened, right? Uh-huh. Um, I did have my voice when I went to the comic book shop last week. Okay. It was like Wednesday night into Thursday morning.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And when I went to go pick up my comics on Wednesday this week, it was completely gone Like, there was still some remnants of it Tuesday night, a little bit um, A little bit Tuesday morning, but uh, I finished off uh, everything If you didn't hear everything, whatever uh, On all the other, whatever, calling into Pod Van Dam this week Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, whatever Uh, So you heard me last week, Friday it wasn't much better Saturday it was worse, um Sunday, my wife made me go to urgent care. Uh, Sunday's the time to go to urgent care. I got right in, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, told the story on here like two months ago when I had to go get a COVID test, and I sat in the parking lot for like three hours, and they let me in like after hours because whatever. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you're a very important person, that's why. I let you in. Well,
0: <laughs> I I think it was just no one was sick on Sunday, right? Uh, COVID apparently is cleared in our area. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's all gone
0: It's all gone Now, I did one of the at-home tests But again, I still don't take my You know, I don't trust myself with those things, you know I, we. Uh, you know So I went They're like, oh, whatever, whatever They're like, we'll give you a COVID test too I'm like, I don't think it's COVID We're going to give me a COVID test I ain't going to say no, right? Yeah Give me a test That comes back negative They check everything out And they're like, I don't see anything I don't hear anything Um, You know, I was coughing up stuff still And they're like, you know it's not, like, weird-colored, so if you had a viral infection, it's probably gone. Um, just from the way that you sound to the way that your throat looks, it looks like you have laryngitis. So we're going to prescribe you prednisone. Go do that. Went and did that. And like I said, Sunday I still sounded bad. Monday I took the day off of work to rest my voice. They're like, hey, you really should give yourself, like, two days off uh, work or whatever. They're like, well, what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm a world-famous podcaster. And we all laughed. Um, But no, I said, you know, this is what I do for my secret science job And they're like, do you think you can take like two days off? And I'm like, maybe one, so I took one off Um, I didn't sound great Tuesday But then by the time it was time to record the comic book shows and everything I was better, and here
1: we are Yeah, I think the moral of the story is that uh, You will get sick at a comic book shop if you don't wear a mask
0: No, and that's the thing, I wear (laughs) a mask I I leave my house, uh, I say this all the time anywhere other than le- going to take out the garbage to the
1: curb. If I'm going further than that, I'm wearing a mask.
0: You know, okay. it's the way it is. I ain't taking no chances.
1: No. I just figured, like, whatever sickness was permeating from those filthy comic book fans, it just permeated yeah. through the mask, you know? When's the last time you went and picked up your books? Ah, <laughs> uh, today.
0: Oh. <laughs> you're, you're, you're too busy trolling books of millions for... People's two-year-old garbage that they left in the shelves.
1: Hey, there were Joker figures there too and Batman figures. So it wasn't like that was a shelf full of Azrael figures. Right. Real characters that people like. Uh it's the golden age of Azrael, not the golden age of Joker. Nobody cares about no Joker. <sighs>
0: I think I forgot to do the ticket thing today, too, on Twitter. Oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Streak is broken. My mind's still hazy, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. You're okay. You'll get, next week I expect you back at full speed.
0: Nah. That's still like 60% of a real human, so. Fair enough. All right. I, I feel this is going to be another nine-hour show, so let's get right into it, huh? Yeah, let's do it. All right.
3: And now, Adults with Wrestling presents This Day in
0: Wrestling History. Happy 8th birthday, World Wrestling Entertainment Network.
1: Oh, hey, look at that. It's starting to get to that age where it's, like, really annoying. It'll Fortnite and shit like that.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, 8 years we've had the World Wrestling Entertainment Network. You know, I remember all the rumors about it, how there was going to be all these, like, tiered systems, and it was going to give you access to different programming and stuff. And then... Yeah. It wasn't going to include the pay-per-views, and then it was going to include all the pay-per-views instead of the big four, which you'd have to buy at,
1: like, the normal pay-per-view price. And then there was the time where you were going to be able to watch Chikara. Right, (laughs) remember? When WWE was going to buy Chikara.
0: (laughs) Remember that basket of lies? I'm sure that's not unrelated to anything happening this weekend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes when they say get in the pit, they don't mean the thing with the chains. They mean a promotion in Pittsburgh.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If I'm being
0: too, if I'm being too vague, send me a message.
1: <laughs> um, but it's not even like we got a full eight years here. We're not like Bix with our VPN spoofer. You know, like a lot of us haven't gotten a full eight years out of the co- out of the the network. A lot of us had to move on to the cock.
0: Right. Well, you know, the cock is essentially the network. It is what it is. Right.
1: Oh, I would I, I, I would give up the cock in an instant to have the network back.
0: <laughs> well, listen, you could do the the VPN opportunity as well. yeah. Uh, not that they need us plugging it. I think their show is uh has slightly more of a reach than ours does. Yeah. Uh, but Chris and Bix over at uh, between the sheets, if you go sign up for their deal, uh, private internet access. And uh, if you use their referral link, their code, or their whatever it is, it's, like, less than $2 a month. And, you know, you could get the actual World Wrestling Entertainment Network. You can get the version of Disney Plus that has R-rated movies and stuff on it. Ooh, with the cussing. Uh-huh. Um,
1: <laughs> the American version, they keep the R-rated movies off of our Disney Plus. Yeah, I would have never noticed. I just use Disney Plus for, like, Marvel shows yeah. and Star Wars shows.
0: A, a, a normal PG thirteen Marvel movie has like seven uses of the word shit in it. You know, come on, yeah. what do you? <laughs> you really need to watch something on Disney Plus where they say fuck. Come on,
1: I yeah, I think no, we're
0: okay. No.
1: But like, I remember because I saw this in your email about it being the anniversary of the network, and I just remember the launch. And obviously, the first live event on the network was an NX- was NXT takeover. You know, the very first one, or at least the, the first, first live thing. Yeah, yeah, the first live one. And I remember watching that, and half the roster I had never seen before. And then obviously, there were people like Cesaro was on there, maybe more about him later. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, just a lot of like, oh my God, this guy's awesome. This Sami Zayn guy, he's awesome. This Neville guy, he's awesome. And being pumped about the network. And then maybe what the next week or within a couple of weeks was Mania, and the network barely functioned. And I just remember. Just being a ball of rage, just screaming at my television set. Like, this is fucking bullshit!
0: I remember there being some issues with WrestleMania, but it was mostly... Like, delays. Like, big delays. I can't remember what... Oh!
1: Was that... uh, Was this year's WrestleMania the Brock Undertaker streak thing? uh, Yeah, I want to say that's what it was. My issue was it kept rubber banding back. Like you would oh, watch, okay. you'd be watching something and let's say you're 10 minutes into it. It would just rewind you back like five minutes. You'd have to watch the thing over and over again. So like a four hour WrestleMania took like six hours to watch. Yeah, see, for,
0: right. So mine, it was just, I was on a good delay of like two minutes. The, yeah, like the whole time. It. Like I couldn't get it caught up. Like I'd log out in between matches and log back in and mine just wasn't catching back up. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but then, because uh, that's how, because I'm watching it, and then it, kind of like, you know, you watch and you tweet along with the thing, right? And you try your best not to watch things, but you assume you're watching something live. And like I said, I was like a good two minutes behind, and then just all the stuff on Twitter of like, I can't believe The Undertaker lost. Oh, my God, Brock beat The Undertaker. And I'm like, match is still going on. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm that far behind, Ugh.
1: you know? Yeah. I wasn't live tweeting wrestling back then. I wasn't the social media influencer that I am now (laughs) back in 2014. Right. One day you'll be there. Give it another eight years. Oh, (laughs) I was implying that I was currently one, but thanks. Well, you all can always get better, right? I guess. There's probably a little room for improvement. Yeah, you
0: might get that tweet that breaks 50 likes, you know?
1: Ooh, (laughs) one can dream, one can dream. (laughs)
0: So, uh, also on this day, wrestling history in 1991, uh, the NWA, not just yet World Championship Wrestling, held uh, the Wrestle War pay-per-view. And, uh, again, pay-per-views were different back then. Even the World Wrestling Entertainment ones, but especially the NWA ones, where they put on a pay-per-view that featured such matches as the World Six-Man Tag Team Champions of the Junkyard Dog, Ricky Morton and Tommy Rich, Defending them against the State Patrol and the Big Cat. (laughs) Uh, Terry Taylor versus Tom Zink. Tracy Smothers and Steve Armstrong, I think, who were still uh, the Southern Boys, taking on Rip Morgan and Jack Victory. Uh, But the two biggies that happened on the show were the Freebirds of Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin defeating Doom, Butch Reed, and Ron Simmons for the World Tag Team titles. Now, two things came out of this. This was the beginning of the Ron Simmons face turn. Okay. Uh, But also the way that World Championship Wrestling would tape their programming and their TVs and so forth. People knew going into the pay-per-view that the Freebirds were going to win the titles here. Because because at the TV taping the night before, they were
1: taped with the titles, losing them to the Steiners. Okay. And was this the thing where... Did they actually end up losing... To the signers or did they scrap that or am nope. I thinking of they ended up
0: airing with the following weekend on tv gotcha okay and the main event was a war games match of rick flair barry windham sid vicious and larry zabisco taking on sting brian pillman and the steiner brothers uh where the finish comes from el gigante throwing in the towel for the good guys after sid goes to powerbomb brian pillman not realizing the height difference of picking up a grown adult. And he essentially like pit, he gets Brian Pillman in a power bomb and then jacks him up really fast, head first, into the top of the cage, and then power bombs him, mm-hmm. and then picks him up and does it again. Yeah. And like uh, I, I like that was supposed to be the finish, but Ellie Gante is like, even Ellie Gante, who's pretty much out of it, was like, All right, we need to save <laughs> Brian Pillman's life.
1: Yeah, I uh, like that, the, the war game ceiling, like either, either that or like Sid was just a big guy in a world of not that yet big guys. You know, well, but the ceiling of that that cage was pretty low con- compared to like the way they are nowadays.
0: Right. So that's the thing. You know, Sid is a big guy. Like I'd say at the time he was probably like, you know, with his lifts and everything, probably like a legit 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, Pillman was probably about six foot. So, you know, half his body. Plus that. So he's putting Pillman's head about 10 feet into the air. And, you know, the cage was like nine and a half feet high, you know? So. Yeah. It happens, you know?
1: Mm. I, so, I just, uh, and just real quick. Speaking of the previous match with doom breaking up my very first watching of WCW. And I've said this many times in the show was Ron Simmons winning the world title from Lex Luger or not Luger from uh, Vader. Yeah. So. Uh, I this is just right before when I started tuning in.
0: No, so Ron Simmons don't win the world title for like another year plus.
1: Okay, well, like a little bit more than what we'll just, but you know what I mean. Yeah, he
0: does like the whole babyface thing. Uh, Luger wins the title summer of 91. Ron Simmons goes in the world title program against him over the summer. 92, Sting beats Luger, Vader beats Sting. And then it's the summer of 92 where Ron Simmons wins. So, like, we're like a year and a half away from you first watching World Championship Wrestling.
1: Okay. I, I really need to go back and check out some of this uh, State Patrol stuff, though. Sounds, mm-hmm. sounds pretty good.
0: Colonel, I, know, I was going to say, uh, uh, Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, who was uh, Sid or uh, Goldberg's trainer. <laughs> and I forget, uh, Colonel, Colonel uh, no, it wasn't Colonel. It was, like, James Earl Wright was the other guy. Uh, a.k.a. Dale uh, uh Adam, when you get a chance, uh, just go type up Dale Veazey, D-A-L-E-V-E-S-E-Y on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say watch his matches, but read the comments on his matches.
1: <sighs> I, I, I don't know if I want to, but maybe.
0: <laughs> they just sell a very elaborate, a very detailed... And a very
1: thought-out story. Okay, should I put my incognito browser on first? Yes. Okay.
0: (laughs) Uh, So the other thing uh, that happened on this day in wrestling history, of course, we are lining up with the head-to-head Monday Night Raw versus Monday Nitro. Uh, In 1997, uh, this Nitro was a night after Super Brawl. um, And we're kind of, and I hate to say that we're in a holding pattern, but it's a lot of the same like rinse, repeat stuff over the next couple months on Nitro. It's like the NWO comes out. Is this person with the NWO? Tune in next week to find out. Does Sting show up? Are we out of time? So on and so forth. So it's kind of like that episode of Nitro, right? Yeah. Whereas this episode of Monday Night Raw is a very different episode of Monday Night Raw because it was our homework this week.
3: Homework. homework, homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself.
1: Home, home, homework,
3: homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. <phone rings>
0: So, uh, we watched uh, this episode of Monday Night Raw, which on the beloved cock was <laughs> Monday Night Raw Season 5, Episode 8. Um, but this was the ECW Invasion episode. Yeah. Um, World Wrestling Entertainment and ECW have been playing footsie since Mind Games uh, the previous September. Uh, there had been an instance or two where members of ECW would come out on Raw um, jumped through the crowd and so forth. But uh, Lawler, the week prior, had issued an open invitation to ECW to show up to the Manhattan Center, and they did in spades. Um, now, again, Adam, you can go through the whole thing of your experience with this. One, of course, you can go check out our friend Kevin's uh, website, Mass library if you didn't get a chance to watch this and you want a quickie recap. He does that for all the homework that we assign. Uh, but two, I just want to say the reason I picked this was th- from, you know, my experience and a lot of other people's fandom in professional wrestling. This was a lot of people's first exposure to ECW. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. As someone and I who have been watching ECW at this point for like almost four years on like Sports Channel Philadelphia Tuesdays at six, you know. And, like, I'm like, oh, good, is going to be on Raw. And then just, like, finding out years later, there's so many people, friends, other fans, people in the business. They're like, yeah, man, that's the first time I ever saw ECW, you know, mid-97. I'm like, you missed a lot. I hope you caught up, you
1: know? Yeah. and I, And I want to ask about that towards the end when we talk about, like, Kind of like the ramifications for this show. But, uh, you know, obviously we're doing show homework right at the top. Just proving that anything can happen on the soon to be named network. You know, uh, if I could do a good Vince voice, I'd do it right there. But uh, you assigned this episode. And as you said, uh, you have to kind of look for like the season and the episode as opposed to like the air date. But when you do it on the cock, uh, you get the little thumbnail pictures And I honestly didn't know based on the date or the assignment exactly what Raw I was about to watch. But the thumbnails ruined it for me because I got to see uh, the picture of Sean losing his smile, you know, on the episode or two beforehand. And then it did say in pretty bold letters that this was the ECW evasion episode. So I was like, oh, you know, like I, I went into it completely not knowing what I was about to see. But I remember just before we get into the breakdown of this. Having watched this, and like you said, you're already an ECW fan for, you know, four or five years before this. Me, not so much. Me, maybe like late 94-ish, you know, early 95 is when I jumped in. So I had already been a fan for a while. And I remember, as you said, you were getting the little teases of ECW, you know, previous to this. You were seeing people in the crowd or, you know, jumping the railing, that kind of stuff. And me being the young Mark, I'm like, this is real. Like that kind of shit, you know, I was like a 15 year old, you know? So uh, obviously the illusion of that went away when as you said, the previous episode of Raw, Jerry Lawler said, you know, come on down, extremely crappy wrestling, all that stuff. Uh, But I was super pumped for this episode. There was probably never an instance of an episode of Monday Night Raw that I was more excited for as a young wrestling fan than this episode, because You know, WWE was kind of lame at the time. You know, I had my favorites. I still liked Shawn. I liked a couple of the other people. But, I you know, it was hard to defend WWE at that time. You know, they had lost Razor. They had lost Diesel. And as you said, NWO, WCW was the hotter hand, but they weren't doing anything at that time. So ECW, this this was our organization. So we're like, oh, they're going to get this big push. They're going to come in. They're going to run roughshod over all the WWE guys, which obviously, you know, that, that didn't happen. But uh, I was very, very excited for this. And another fun fact, even though I loved this episode of Raw at the time, I have never seen it in its entirety since the original airing. Um, I've seen little pieces, obviously, in like ECW documentaries, you know, the rise and fall of ECW, stuff like that. But I've never gotten watched it in its context with like the WWE matches in between. So uh, this is the first time in uh, doing the math here with 25, 25 years. Jesus freaking Christ, I'm old.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> but, I just want to interject there as well. I'm kind of in the same boat as well because, you know, I had my VHS tape collection of ECW, but I would also have like. ECW rarities on there you know like the episodes of Monday Night Raw where they showed up like I had those clips on the ECW TV tapes in the chronological order I think like Current Affair or Inside Edition or whatever did a piece on ECW that was on there anytime there was like a news story on ECW and I grabbed it it was on those ECW tapes so I had just the ECW stuff of this on my ECW tapes very familiar. I could have told you backwards and forwards the ECW stuff. Not so much the WWE stuff.
1: Yeah. It came yeah, back
0: same. to me as I was watching it, but I used to watch like these raw stuff uh, you know, so much at the time.
1: Yeah, same. And we'll get into it in a minute, but I didn't even remember the uh uh the the arm wrestling thing happening and like but I remember everybody that competed for the ECW. So uh we'll go ahead and start things off. You have the opening match, the Godwins against the new blackjacks. I believe commentary says that the, the new Blackjacks are relatively new. They debuted maybe the week before or the pay-per-view beforehand. They um,
0: they had been showing vignettes for them to kind of like hype up their debut. And I guess the week before on Superstars, when Superstars uh, was like effectively the B-show. Okay. Um, I guess they came out and attacked someone on there. And this was their first in-ring match as the new
1: Blackjacks. Gotcha. So, um... We have basically throughout this match, they're saying, Hey, you know, ECW is going to be here later on. We have the main event of Undertaker versus Varouk. Yes, I said Varouk with a v. Oh, uh, <laughs> I have it in my notes. <laughs> yeah. uh, we know that later on there's going to be an arm wrestling match between Sonny and Marlena. Uh, but, anyways, a lot of stuff being set up in this match. Uh, Ken Shamrock is in the crowd, you know, UFC uh, champion and most dangerous man in the world. Um, but basically this is just like a long WWE style match. A lot of just kicking and punching a lot of brawling match. In uh, my theory is that this is a long overly WWE style match just to kind of stick it to the ECW fans. that are in the crowd, um, <laughs> but like the Blackjacks win uh, there's like a clothesline from heck from Bradshaw. Uh, but like the, one of the Godwin's legs is on the rope. Another ref comes out, says, Hey, the leg was on the rope. The original ref refuses to reverse it. So the original ref gets slopped by one of the Godwins. So uh, Black Jacks win the first match.
0: So uh, I don't think that this was done on purpose. Mm-hmm. And I, I not unlike Vince during this episode of Raw, where he keeps hyping that there's going to be a big surprise tonight. Yeah, yeah. There's an episode of Raw that's coming up like in the next month. Okay. That is the catalyst. Like they're trying stuff, but there hasn't been the thing that Vince just decides to say like, Fuck it, we're just pulling the cord on everything, and we're just going to start from scratch. This is just, as you'll see through the rest of the show, this is just how WF matches were at this time. Like, this match starts off hot. It's four big dudes clattering the shit out of each other. And then the match just kind of stalls, right? We're like, they kind of run out of shit that they could do. The the finish kind of gets a little bungled a little bit. And it's like sloppy and confusing and like, nobody really gets over from this match. Now I mentioned, of course, uh Vince keeps hyping up a big surprise. You mentioned Ken Shamrock is in the crowd. Um, You talking about the UFC. We have ECW on the show. And then they do a full length commercial for the upcoming Sugar Ray Leonard, Hector Macho Camacho hot boxing pay-per-view. <laughs> so it's like, WWE is literally trying anything to get as many different combat sport related things to watch their programming.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, this is the era we we are getting to the point where, I mean, UFC is not quite at the height of its powers, but it's getting close. Like it's, it's starting to cross over from being this thing that, you know, you would just kind of tape trade for. And it's maybe a couple of years away from being, you know, on ESPN, you know, but you're, when you have Ken Shamrock that leads to, you know, uh, Randy Couture and it leads to guys like that, Chuck Liddell. So you're getting real close to EF, UFC blowing up. So it, it's just funny that like they were in there on the ground floor, you know, with Dan Severn as well. Uh, but they just kind of got out right before it would have gotten big, but,
0: uh, but I, I think it was less than next hot hand and they were just scrambling, trying to get anything they could.
1: Yeah, no, I got you. Um, so we go to commercial, and then we come back. And as is always the case on Monday Night Raw, we see uh, a shot of the ring where somebody's just like working on one of the the, the turnbuckles or something like that. <laughs> you know, a ring crew guy in the ring, which is just completely normal. Don't pay much attention to him. Um, so the Eliminators come in along with Paulie, and the Eliminators do total elimination to the ring guy. And Paulie says that he accepts WWE's WWF's challenge. And then they go to commercial again. When they come back from commercial, Paul Lee's still in the ring. He introduces little Guido from the FBI. Then we get the BWO. Uh, and this is the first glaring part where watching it on the cock hurt uh, because it was just such bad overdub of the BWO's generic theme music. And it like cut out all the crowd reaction. But we got 7-Eleven, uh, the blue guy, uh, Hollywood Nova. And of course, big Stevie cool. Big Stevie says we're taking over and this is a, an okay match, but this is where, uh, there's some really good commentary where basically Lawler's obviously trying to shit on ECW and trying to shit on the BWO says that the BWO is, is just a rip off. And I like how Paul Heyman's like, who, and what are we ripping off? You know, like, because (laughs) it was a WWE's Uh, Stance to not acknowledge WCW Um, So obviously Lawler's not going to say Oh you're ripping off the the NWO Or you're ripping off WCW But then Vince comes back and says That you're ripping off the clothing line NWO Which I think is just (laughs) such a very funny way Of trying to sweep the WCW Under the rug Like nah all those shirts you're seeing That's just a clothing line You know (laughs) like it's not your competitor It's just uh, an, an in fashion In style shirt It's like food. You know, so, uh, during the match Raven comes out, which I'm sure was one of your highlights of the night, right? And, uh, you know, Raven obviously getting in Stevie's face cause they're going to be involved in the big world title match at barely legal. Then we get a gold dust inset promo where he just kind of seems all over the place. Paul says that he would go home with gold dust. If Marlena was included and Big Stevie wins with, like, a really short uh, super kick to Little Guido.
0: Okay. A couple things I want to mention about all this. Uh, yes. yes. the line of Vince calling the BWO a ripoff of the popular clothing line is one of my favorite commentary lines of all time. <laughs> um, now, if you noticed, when the Eliminators do their run-in, they had the tag team titles with them, right? They do, yeah, a- like, Switch, I think, at the next arena show to get them on the Dudleys so the eliminators can win the belts again at the pay-per-view. Um, but I don't know if you also noticed Raven with the world title, right? Yeah. This was the debut of those brand new ECW titles cuz they used to have like those shitty banged up titles. The world the, the tag titles are kind of like knockoff Intercontinental title looking things. Yeah. And the the world title that Raven has, that was the first time he wore that version of the world title. Uh, I think Paul knew that this was coming, so they had to have, like, good-looking belts ready to go um, so they're not showing up on TV and have one more thing for Lawler to bury them about.
1: Yeah, like, the the tag titles, as you mentioned, are just the Intercontinental belt with, like, a different coat of paint on them. So Yeah, they're just, like, silver and purple, I think. Yeah. Um, The world title that Raven was wearing, like, obviously, that's not the ECW world title that we know and love from, like, you know, a year later, and obviously it's not the 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 greatest version that Ezekiel Jackson retired with. But, Aww. you know, it is a nice looking belt, but I have no recollection of that belt for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But um, all right. So next up, we have the Honky Tonk Man coming out to officiate an arm wrestling competition. We have Sonny comes out first in a robe doing a great ravishing Rick Rude introduction. What I want is for all you fat, out of shape marks, you know, whatever. She's making fun of New York accents. Uh, And then she takes off the robe and uh, give uh, Kevin Hellion's write up of this. Uh, a second once over if you want to get my (laughs) opinion of Sunny at the height of her powers here. Um, But Marlena comes out and they show some video footage of her being attacked recently by the debuting China, uh, the as yet named China, but uh, you know, whatever they both stall for a while, do a lot of leaning over the podium and in great ways, I recommend you check it out. Sunny eventually takes powder out of somewhere, uh, throws it in Marlena's face savio vega comes out this leads into the next match which is savio vega and the nation of domination against gold dust and you want to say anything about the arm wrestling before i move on to the match yeah this whole thing sucked oh, th- oh come on this is probably the well i'm gonna say this is the best wwf portion of this show <laughs> like if so, you, you take out the, the ecw stuff this is the most watchable section
0: i was never a guy uh who was into like i think we've talked about this in the show we're like I didn't need to watch wrestling to see scantily clad women like it was 1997 if I really wanted to see like scantily clad women or even naked women like the Internet was just starting to be a thing. If I was patient, I could see it. I always felt like segments like this were a waste of my time. Um, And this absolutely was a waste of time.
1: Uh, See, I did not have the free hour to download a JPEG, so I, I felt it was much easier to watch an episode of Monday Night Raw. But, uh, I get what you're saying, but you know, just something, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll message Kevin later. We'll, we'll, discuss, but so we have the next match. As I mentioned, Savio Vega versus Goldust members of the nation are outside. You have crush. You have two drug dealers, uh, who I it's later It's PG-13, out... <laughs> JC Ice and Wolfie D. <laughs> yeah. And yes, and then... they were probably drug dealers. <laughs> <laughs> and like commentary keeps saying, oh, all the members of the nation are out there, but other than crush... And obviously Sonny, who hung around, uh, you never really see any of the other guys there until after the match. You know, then you see, okay, uh, what was it? D'Lo was out there, a young, yep. very, very young D'Lo.
0: Un- and, unnamed D'Lo. He was just like faceless, nameless dude.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, the 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 Jackie Childs ripoff what was the <laughs> who was the lawyer, Clarence Mason. Clarence Mason. Okay. And like they showed them after the match, but like during the match, I was like, where are these other guys? I'm looking around, I couldn't find anybody. Um, so anyways, we have Miguel Perez on commentary and Joe, I've said many, many times, I do not like to criticize anybody's commentary, but I am making a list and it's a very, very small list, but I'm making a list of people that are actively bad on commentary and are actually worse than me. And Miguel Perez is on there. So he is the inaugural, uh, inductee to the worst than Adam Van commentary list. Um, it was basically just him, you know, talking about how, how much Puerto Rico is sad that Savio Vega is uh, is a bad guy. Now, anyways, crush interferes in the match. We have a DQ Miguel comes in and starts cleaning the house, cleaning house. The nation that's at ringside doesn't even pay attention to the fact that, uh, Perez is in the ring, like roughing up Savio Vega. They're all just kind of like looking at the camera and doing the nation salute. Uh, so it was very weird. And, uh, yeah, it's it, this version of nation and domination. I, I'm glad that I've pretty much forgotten it, you know. So,
0: um, I, I was shocked that World Wrestling Entertainment actually acknowledged like Sonny still being out there for the match. That she was mm-hmm. the one who brought Farouk into the World Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah. Um, you mentioned before about how the Godwins versus New Blackjacks match was a match that was purposely bad to kill <laughs> the crowd. What's your explanation for this match being purposely bad?
1: Well, this was, again, the best thing about a bad joke is when you keep laying it in. <laughs> oh, okay. You know or is saying? this
0: just the WWE house style at the time?
1: I think so. <laughs> Wait,
0: this is a fine match. These are two guys that have worked before. You know, this was, like, Goldust's first house show program against Savio. Obviously, here the roles are reversed. Um, But, like, this is just, like, a serviceable match. It's fine. And then... Just for like no discernible reason, like crush comes in and causes the DQ.
1: Yeah, they're just. But like, in the terms right, of
0: long term storytelling, I know you poo pooed Miguel Perez Jr. being out there, but this is the seeds of the bariquas starting.
1: And oh, oh, thank God! You know, don't spoil my next homework assignment.
0: <laughs> um, and then you said that you have a list of commentators that are worse than you. I got about six names I could tell you off air. <laughs>
1: I know a couple. All right. I think um, you and I know the, the, the ones we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have a video flashback of the nineteen ninety-three version of Bad Bunny, Tiny Tim. And uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an insult to Tiny Tim. <laughs> And then we get Ken Shamrock being interviewed by Jerry the King Lawler. Lawler had been intimating uh, previously that he was good buddies with Shamrock and that he was going to go over and say hi to him. Uh, at this point, you know, Lawler's like, hey, remember when I taught you, you know, how to be a fighter? I taught you all your submissions. And Shamrock obviously is like, I don't know who you are. Uh, and that's the end of that involvement until we get Shamrock later on. Um So we then have Paul Heyman coming back out after the commercial saying this whole show show sucked without ECW and uh, truer words have have seldom been said on an episode of Monday Night Raw. And the next match is my trainer, Mikey Whipwreck versus Taz with Team Taz. We get a lot of short jokes from Lawler and I love Paul Heyman saying coming from a guy who's five foot ten that's really funny. And Sabu obviously comes out uh, to do the famous uh, fall off of the raw raw. yeah raw R. Try, try saying raw R a bunch of times. That's very difficult. But Sabu falls off of that onto team Taz and then like Taz kind of sloppily does a belly to belly suplex of whipwreck out to the outside. And I don't have it written down, but I'm going to assume Taz wins because Whipwreck ain't winning this thing on national television. But, uh, yeah, this was obviously one of the ones that's very memorable because the the dive off of the Raw set is one of the most played things on, as I mentioned, like the DVDs and whatnot, you know?
0: I forgot how scary Sabu's fall off the R was. I really thought he was going to eat shit on it. Um, I also forgot how botched the, like, the intent was, he belly-bellies Mikey over the top rope and lands on Sabu to take Sabu out to lead to the finish. But, like, Mikey gets, like, caught in the ropes or something, and it's, like, yeah. all fucked up and stuff.
1: Plus, Taz ain't exactly tall enough to belly-to-belly somebody over the top rope.
0: Oh, how dare you?
1: <laughs> now, uh, great this is the time when you and I both thought he was, like, the baddest man on the planet.
0: He was the <laughs> baddest man on the planet!
1: <laughs> but, Yeah
0: and i don't know um so there's okay so there's those things did you see amongst the members of did you recognize any familiar faces in team taz i uh i assume was chris chetty in there chris Chetty was there uh danny
1: doring was there and a
0: an, an unbearded slimmer roadkill was there as
1: well okay yeah, i would have never in a million years recognized an unbearded slimmer roadkill Yeah, like chetty i recognized
0: um also during this match um more great commentary lines from paulie where he says to vince that he's really good at commentary and if this whole wwe thing doesn't work out for him he's got a job waiting for him at, w- at ecw yeah <laughs> and as and uh, paulie like twice apologizes for stepping on vince he goes vince i know you're good at calling the moves i know you know all these things and uh <laughs> Vince is like oh I didn't know what that one was called And he goes you really need to watch those videotapes That Bruce Pritchard leaves on your
2: desk (laughs) Oh such good
1: stuff This was like the first time that there was like really I, there's always inside jokes on commentary, but I feel like there was just so much rapid fire inside jokes on this, or at least stuff that I got at the time, you know? Yeah. That seemed more inside than, you know, would normally be commonplace on an episode of raw. Absolutely. All right. So next up we have a tag team match. We have the current FWF tag team champions, the Headbangers. Thank you. And- Yes, and they are wrestling against the big surprise that was teased all night, and that is the returning LOD Legion of Doom. Uh the ECW, uh the very uh biased, what did the what did Vince say? The the partial crowd, the the uh, partisan crowd here. Part, yes, the partisan crowd uh actually gives the Legion of Doom an orange Cassidy pop. So this was nice. Like that was the first time that this crowd is reacting overwhelmingly positive to something other than Sonny. And uh, you get during this match a lot of Nitro sucks chance, Bischoff sucks chance. This match, inexplicably, is like super long as well. Uh, The Legion of Doom should have destroyed the Headbangers. I do not care if the Headbangers were like one of your top tag teams at the time. I don't know if they were, I don't remember. But the Legion of Doom should have killed them. And instead, you have a double countout. Uh, And obviously, the Legion of Doom does the Doomsday device afterwards you know, to to send everybody home happy, so to speak, but just a huge head scratcher of a finish and a match booking altogether.
0: Yeah, and like not to take anything, and they, they end up doing like a weird double countout finish, um, and then they end up giving um, Thrasher the Doomsday device afterwards. You could have mixed things up a little bit and had this be like, like, I don't know, and they were short-staffed anyway, and we can kind of get into that as well. But you could have just had Legion of Doom come out and, like, squash members of the nation or something, right? Yeah. And just have it be that instead of having them work like this even match with the head the headbangers. And, again, not a knock on the headbangers, but, um, you know, this is the goddamn Road Warriors. You know, they still had some cachet. I know they had been off, like, TV, and, like, they get, like, the big Nitro sucks and Bischoff sucks chance. But they hadn't been on WCW TV in, like, almost a year. Um, their last WCW match was, like, in April of 96, Mm. and then they were mostly in, um, Japan for, like, the previous year of, like, the rest of 96 and early 97, and then, you know, they're here for the remainder of, like, whatever this run would be for the Legion of Doom, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, I kind of took, like, the chance of Nitro Sucks and Bischoff Sucks not as a dig on the Legion of Doom. But, like, this is the first uh, talent that the crowd is really like, holy shit, we like these guys. I saw that almost as, like, a pat on the back to WWF, you know, for having these guys out there. Like, that was the only time in the entire show that, like, shots were fired at WCW. So, in my mind, and I'm, I'm reading way too much into this, it's like, okay, for this match, we're on your side, WWF. But after this match is over, we're back to being on ECW's side. Sure. Um, so uh, during this point, right after that match, we learned that both marvelous Mark Marrow. Uh, it, well, probably wild man, Mark Merrow and Shawn Michaels are being, they said they're both in rehab. So I was like, Oh geez, that's a little behind the scenes, but they meant that they both had very bad knees. Uh, and they were getting those injuries rehabbed. And then Joe, I didn't think we would get to have this. And I'm very excited that we did. We got to see the tell me a lie music video. Uh, we got to hear about all the outpouring of support, the cards and the letters that have been sent to check on Shawn Michaels, uh, wellbeing. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I got a little emotional. It's a uh, it brought back just brought back a, a more simpler time, uh, where like wrestling was able to tug at your heartstrings. And uh, I'm sure you feel the same way. But uh, just just a great moment in in wrestling history that I'm glad was probably the reason why you assigned this homework. If if I So be
0: <laughs> uh, key to this, right? They come back and we're a week off. The uh, or like you know a week can change because it was the Thursday Raw Thursday where Sean lost his smile, and Vince starts this off by saying uh, Sean Michaels and Mark Marrow both suffered severe knee injuries, both are going to need, need need knee surgery. Vince then stops and corrects himself and says, "Well, Mark Marrow definitely needs knee surgery. Sean Michaels might not need knee surgery now, Um, <laughs> but even though." Just by that alone, Mark Marrow is worse off because he actually needs knee surgery. We're not going to play a video for him, but <laughs> Adam, tell me a lie. Say that you won't go. Look in my eye. It's, oh no, the hell it is? That's the. It, I love how like at the time I was like, meh, 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 you know, fuck this shit. Uh, at the now, I love it because of how bad and cheesy it is. <laughs>
1: i am 90 percent sure the prowler had that song on 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 cassette and played it in his car (laughs) oh but anyways uh this is fun to watch that and uh next up we have devon dudley accompanied by sign guy dudley versus tommy dreamer and beulah mcgillicuddy who is criminally under-focused on by the camera crew? Just want to say that. Um, Paulie and Lawler getting very heated on commentary, and you know the Dudley and Dreamer having a typical ECW style match, probably more so an ECW match than any of the previous matches, because in this match we start getting some uh, weapons handed by members of the crowd. There's like a frying pan type thing, I think it was. There was a cane, not a Singapore cane, but like a I can't walk cane. Um, And you know, Tommy Dreamer's uh, being the innovator of violence that he is. He's using the stairs in unique ways. But the big problem here is we have another one of those inset promos. This one's from The Undertaker, and he's talking about his match uh, with Verruc later on. And it's pretty much like over the finish of the match. Like when The Undertaker is doing his promo, we have uh, Brother Ray Deadly coming out. You know, he 3Ds Dreamer. We have, you know, a low blow finish with Beulah, low blowing Devon. Uh, and then obviously the the little promo ends. We have the Sandman's uh, definitely not Metallica music hit. Uh, he comes out, stiff chair shots, both of the Deadlies, uh, and then a fight breaks out and that's it. Oh, I'm sorry. A fight breaks out between like Lawler and Heyman, you know. Mm hmm. But and I just want to say again, speaking of the commentary thing, uh, you know, Lawler is shitting obviously all over ECW and multiple times Heyman's like, oh, I want to, you know, the only reason we're here is because of like the guts of the the Wavos of this man sitting to my right again, just kind of pulling back that curtain that this commentator is the guy that's like running the company and like, he's allowing us to be here. And you know, Paul Heyman, this guy who's running a, a rebel organization that's taken over is being very uh, complimentary and like bending the knee to Vincent Kennedy McMahon.
0: He knows who was giving him that monthly stipend to, to stay <laughs> a flute float for all those years. Yeah. A uh, couple things. Of course, you mentioned the definitely not Sandman thing. So, um, Paul knew them going to pay-per-view and them being on national cable as opposed to, like, whatever networks they were on elsewhere that they couldn't get away with just, like, blatantly playing Inter-Sandman. So they had been working on something that was, like, a Sandman, Inter-Sandman sound-alike. And that was the – this was the debut of that.
1: Yeah. Um same thing with Taz, too. His was, like, I believe, made Yeah, 4th, he, he would get, like, the, the
0: knockoff uh, war machine that would have the survive-if-I-let-you soundbite at the beginning that he would then use for the rest. And I think that was a little bit easier of a transition um, than from Inter Sandman, because, like, that was, like, such a huge hit at the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, his war machine was probably 10 years old at this point. Yeah, you know? at
0: least, you know what I mean? So, right, um... So what else I was going to say with that is, so Lawler and Paulie are going to get into it and all the ECW guys come out to help like baby faces and heels. OK, but then Taz is in there. Right. And mm. even at the time, like if you're going to blur the lines of whatever it is, like even when I was watching it, like the storyline on TV was that it was Taz against everyone. Right. Yeah. So why would Taz come out here to help Pauly? Um, like whatever the situation is with Lawler and like, I get the ideas. It's like, oh, as big as whatever the rivalries are in ECW, uh, this stuff that Lawler is doing to us is bigger. You could have kept Taz out and even watching it now, Taz shouldn't have been out there with the rest of the ECW guys. He should have been kept off to keep, to keep him special. Like you didn't see Sabu out there helping them separate Lawler and Paulie, but you saw Taz.
1: Taz should have been treated like the WWE treats like spooky Undertaker. Right. You know, he's not evolved in a lot of that stuff.
0: Yeah. He's not doing random pull-aparts between a fat manager and a fat commentator.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, I mean, that was pretty much the end of the ECW involvement of the show. We get a recap of Sid winning the WWF title from Bret Hart. So it'll be Sid versus Undertaker at Mania. Uh, I can make a joke about that's two matches in a row that Sid is going against somebody stiff and and Uh (laughs) corpse-like. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, you sure can say that.
1: It's a lie, but go ahead. Um, we, well, we, we heard the tell me a lie song before, so I'm just doing that. Um, we get another Ken Shamrock interview this time with Todd Pettengill. Uh, we also see, uh, Ken Shamrock's wife also has laryngitis. So Mm -hmm. you know it's one of those things if it rhymes and, uh, we have Ken Shamrock's, uh, father there. And, uh, then, you know, basically Baruch comes out, gets in Shamrock's face. Shamrock starts talking shit about how, like. You know, you're, you know, you're ganging up on people. You know, you can't beat me one-on-one, yada, yada, yada. We have an Undertaker entrance. This is the Undertaker era with the teardrop. So he did a murder. Um, We get a very, very cool sign from a kid in the crowd that says ECW stands for Extreme Chicken Wimps. Uh, So there's that WWE that we all know and love. It's back. Uh, And then there's fighting and Nation gets involved. LOD comes out for the save. Good night. I kind of lost interest once ECW wasn't involved anymore. Right. So just to kind of go from the beginning of the segment um, before Gill goes over to interview
0: Ken Shamrock again. And this one was much better than the one with Lawler. Like the Lawler one was like weird and uncomfortable. This yeah. one was much better. So Vince, it tells us our matches announced for WrestleMania so far. We have Sid defending the title against The Undertaker. And Vince says that the match with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart is a no holds barred match. Which is key because Patton Gill says that it's a submissions match, which is what it ends up being. Now, is this Vince fucking up, which could happen, or was the match originally supposed to be a no-holds-barred match, and then they figured something out to say, like, no, 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 but it has to be a submission match so that we could stack the deck against the soon-to-be-turning babyface Steve Austin.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then they get like Shamrock's opinions on the two matches. And then if you remember, this ends up leading to Shamrock being the guest referee for the Bret Stone Cold match at WrestleMania.
1: Plus, I think that, you know, ECW was very MMA influenced and ECW would, would refer to submissions and chokeouts and all that stuff because it was the MMA thing. So maybe this is the start of WWF also leading into more submission acknowledging, you know,
0: Well, it was because they had to get Shamrock over as the guy who does that sort of thing. And this was definitely the beginning of them attempting to train their audience that this is a way that works
1: in professional wrestling. Yeah. So I had mentioned at the top, and you mentioned that, like, for a lot of people, this was their first foray into ECW. And, you know, for me, seeing this on Raw, I was super pumped. I thought this was the greatest episode of Raw to ever air. Um but now obviously I'm looking back at it now and was there anything on that show if you were seeing ECW for the first time that made you say holy shit I need to order this pay-per-view cuz I argue that I don't think there was like cuz there wasn't a great match you know there wasn't like a holy shit moment you know you can argue by 1997 standards sabu jumping off the raw r was uh, a holy shit moment but for the most part you know there wasn't anything extreme so like did anything there make you want to plop down the i don't know what it would have been at the time the 29.95 to order this pay-per-view so as someone who is very biased right
0: sure and that's the thing
1: we're both biased when it comes to ecw
0: especially ecw of this era okay um, and I was going to mention, of course, the main event of Varouk versus The Undertaker that just, like, is a random, like, Nation of Domination runs in. LOD comes out to help The Undertaker. Folks were out of time, right? Yeah. So if you were a wrestling fan in 1997 and you were a WWF, Northeast Wrestling Fan, in 1997, and you were not watching Nitro because you were loyal to WWE, and you watched this episode of Raw... And again, I, I'm hammering the joke again, but you're like, oh, they purposely went out there and had a bad Bradshaw's or uh, um, Blackjack's versus Godwin's match to to kind of cut the legs out of the ECW crowd. And then they had a bad Goldust versus Savio Vega match to take the wind out of those ECW fan sales. Or then they had a slow plotting Farouk versus Undertaker main event, right?
1: <laughs> All intentional,
0: so, yes. Right, so again, you're, Intentional, but that was just the WF House style. So if you watch this, as someone who has been watching the WF House style for the longest time, a Northeastern wrestling fan, and you were not giving WCW the time of day, this was essentially a new form of wrestling that you had never seen before being put up against dull, bland, flavorless, heatless wrestling. So just but, in comparison to the other stuff that was on Raw, this ECW stuff seemed different it seemed exciting it was new faces it was new characters it felt different you know like the matches weren't slow and plotting by any stretch of the imagination all the matches were like less than five minutes right which is essentially what the attitude era would become like a year and a half later yeah so i argue that if this was your first time seeing ecw right up against what wf was at that time you saw this as something new and exciting and electric
1: see i i disagree it is different right. but i didn't see it as being any better it was shorter you know but like none of those matches other than maybe the ecw main event like the dudley's you know or against tommy dreamer because of the hardcore nature of it all the other matches you know you if you take your bias out of it they were just normal uneventful yes quicker matches like there was nothing like obviously set uh freaking Rey Mysterio's long gone, Psychos is long gone, you know, Dean Malenko's gone, but I mean, you could have put out there, you know, Jerry Lynn and Rob Van Dam, like those types of people and have them have a, just a banger of a scientific five minute match, you know, that show that style that contrasts, you know, have contrasts the undertaker. It's not the blackjacks, you know, but instead you have just. Boring matches. Like, uh, again, there's not all the, sh- the matches on that entire show were, were, were bad. It's just when you look at the ECW ones, they're amazing in comparison to the WWF ones. There isn't one of those matches where you're like, holy shit, I've never seen wrestling like this before. I need to seek this out. All you were seeing was something that was different.
0: So I get what you're saying, putting like an RVD Jerry Lynn style match in the show. hmm. Jerry Lynn had not debuted in ECW yet and would not for like
1: another year. But isn't there wasn't there somebody on the roster? Again, we're we're past the extreme luchador era, but we're like, there had to be some people on there that could do more than just have a Mikey Whipreck versus Taz style so, match.
0: So, and here's the thing: unfortunately, at that time, at this very specific particular time, no, there wasn't. Um, RVD had just debuted maybe a month prior, so like he wasn't going to be someone that they're going to put on TV in a featured spot. Um, you had the Pitbulls. Like, are you going to put Pitbull two on TV? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you could. Yeah. They could have did an an, an electrifying Eliminators squash. They could have did like the Eliminators versus like Mikey Whipwreck and El Porto Ricanio, right? And just have the Eliminators hit all their hot moves. You know? Yeah. But then you have, like, Axel Rotten and Balls Mahoney. I'm fans of those guys. They ain't gonna connect here, right? Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas, who for the last year and a half has legitimately verbally berated the WWE. They could gonna put him on ECW TV. Chris Candido. Chris Candido might be injured at this time or might be, like, really close to being injured, and he was just let go by the WWE not six months prior. So I don't think he was on the top of the list of guys... Could have had a great match on TV. Wasn't on the top of the list of guys that you were going to put on there. Um, Obviously, I get not having Raven wrestle. I understand not having Sabu wrestle. You could have put Terry Funk out there, right? Do you put Terry Funk out there? Uh, Terry Funk was just on WFTV on that episode of Shotgun Saturday Night right before the Royal Rumble a month prior, not even a month prior, where him and Austin get into it. So, like, he's not even, like, an ECW guy. He's Terry Funk. Yeah. So, and then, like, there's, like, ECW at this point is in, like, a weird flux state because of their involvement with WWF. Um, Like, Lance Storm doesn't debut for, like, another month or two. Then that influx of guys, like, your quote-unquote WWF contract guys that we're not supposed to believe are contracted guys. Like, your Al Snows and your Justin Incredibles and your stuff like that. They don't debut until the summer. PG-13 start wrestling in ECW within, like, the next, like, two months. So, like, PG-13, who were just out there as, like, seconds with the nation, are more ECW guys than, like, anybody else they could have picked. So, this really was the best that they could put out there.
1: Well, let me ask you this. You said that a lot of your friends, this is their first time being exposed to ECW. How many of those would you say, say that, oh, because of this, I then went and bought the pay-per-view? All of them. Okay.
0: All of them. Well, All okay, right. so...
1: I know, I get what all you're saying. All my I friends just, at to... this
0: time were all watching ECW Tuesdays at six on Sports Channel Philadelphia. Well, yeah. But all the people that I've met in wrestling since over the last 25 years, they say this is the first time they saw ECW, most of them say, this is the first time they saw ECW. If the pay-per-view was carried in their area, they got the pay-per-view based off this. And this is when they started actively seeking out Either finding ECW on their cable network or getting the tapes.
1: Okay. I got you.
0: So I just worked. think that there's so- it worked 25 years ago. Yeah. 25 years later, we could see all the holes in it.
1: Yeah. No, I get you. Like, I, I just think that, like, with the nostalgia glasses, you know, a lot of this stuff looks better than it necessarily was, but. Uh, I, I agree with you, you know, it is definitely better if you cut that show in half and say which do you like better the ECW part or the WWF part, and you know, it's not even close, you know, <gasps> nope. uh, all sunny stuff aside, but, uh, and I will also say and I've mentioned this many times before. I was just heartbroken that Adelphia cable didn't have barely legal. It didn't offer it. It was one of the, probably the childhood traumas of my life.
0: (laughs) No, and and that's the thing. So Verto, um, who I had as my cable, didn't get it either. Like I was there live for the pay-per-view, but I had a trade for the tape of the pay-per-view.
1: Yeah. But hey, you you were able to sell your ticket all these years later. So that- Yeah,
0: (laughs) and we'll get into that later in weekly purchases.
1: (laughs) All right. All right, Joe. Well, it's my turn unless you have anything else to talk about regarding this show.
0: No, we spent a lean hour on this. I think we can move on to something else.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll just, I'm sure nothing else happened in wrestling this week, so uh, we'll be quick. Uh, I will say that for my homework assignment, I feel like it's almost timely that I have to do this. You know, these are are kind of layups when it comes to my homework assignments, but, you know, given the news of last week, uh, I have to assign the fourth installment. Of the Nightmare Factory Student Showcase. <laughs> it might be the final installment, too. Who knows? You know, at least uh, the, the, the last one that has uh, Mr. Cody Rhodes introducing it. So that is obviously available on YouTube, just like all the previous ones were. Um, I'm sure we'll have a link to it in our show notes. But all I did was type in Nightmare Factory into YouTube and it came right up.
0: I want to look to see how long this is.
1: It is an hour and 27 minutes.
0: All right. That's
1: acceptable. I believe it is the shortest of all of them. They're running out of students. Hopefully the last 27 minutes of that is just Anna Jay coming out. But uh, I don't think we're that lucky. Fingers crossed that there's
0: no super racist, anti-vaxxer, homophobic, transphobic people on this one like there has been on every single Nightmare Family Showcase <laughs> that we've watched to date.
1: Well, no promises. I, I, so don't I didn't
0: expect you to bet the previous three. Um, <laughs> but again, I, 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 I got my fingers crossed. Fool me the first three times. <laughs> Shame on you. This time I do some digging and I see it's like, oh, this person's a a horrible human being <laughs> and it's been triple canceled and that's, that's on me.
1: Yeah. All right. Like I said, I, I don't endorse everybody. I try to, I try to do a, do a journalism, but uh, it doesn't work out all the time. Sure. But anyways, Joe, should we get back to the top of the show? Uh, and, <laughs> we're gonna go yeah, and we're going to go ahead. and Things are gonna... all out of order, yeah. right? This is a big format change. The last exactly one week. And speaking of format changes, I have the results of the very controversial poll regarding the fate of likes and dislikes, Joe.
0: So our likes and dislikes back, so I could easily just move some things
1: around. Well, with, uh, I'm going to say with an overwhelming amount of votes, I, I say winking into the camera, uh, voter turnout very low these days, but by 58% of the votes, talking points sticks around, Joe. All right. So it was uh, it was very uh, it was dramatic throughout the week. Uh, talking points went off to like a, a very quick lead, then leveled out. Uh, uh, I did not use any of my burners. I voted once for what I believed was the the better way to go, which is talking points, and that was it. So uh, at least now all of you people that were like, oh, why'd likes and dislikes go away? Uh, you had your chance. You had your chance to rally people to your side and you didn't do it. So
0: you had a week to to vote and a week heads up that the vote was coming. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Somebody's going to be like, oh, man, it happened over President's Day. You didn't tell me that.
0: (laughs) Now, I will say this. I will make sure uh, to keep any sort of venom and vitriol in any of the talking points that we have, if need be.
1: Okay. All right, Joe, I'll start things off. And I have a feeling that uh, you're going to do all the heavy lifting on this, but I was watching wrestling this week on Wednesday night and I took out my little notes and I wrote down one sentence and it says MJF promo. Good (laughs) question mark. And that's all I wrote down. And I watched that and I was like, obviously we're talking about the promo on dynamite where MJF is crying. He's talking about CM punk, you know, abandoned him when he walked away from wrestling and MJF needed him uh, because MJF was being bullied, anti-Semitic bullies. uh, And I remember watching this and I was like, okay, I've seen a lot of these beats in an MJF promo before and that's fine. You know, he's done these promos on the Indies and that's where I saw him. And for many, many people, this is the first time you're going to see it, which is (laughs) fine. And I came out of it and I'm like, I think that was good. But then I looked at Twitter and it's pretty much, I'm going to say overwhelming, at least from the people that I follow are saying that this is one of the best promos of the year. One of the best AEW promos, definitely the best promo MJF has done. Even friend of the show Bix is gushing all over how many layers there are to this. And I'm like, is it that good? I'm not sure. Like, I think it was good, and I think Phil from Chicago was good in it. But like, I want to hear your opinion because I'm still undecided. I don't think it was definitely not bad. It was far from bad, but I don't know if I quite want to give it the "it's really good" stamp yet. Okay, so go for it.
0: I got lots of I got lots of takes on this promo. Okay.
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh,
0: the first. I guess take a direction or something that I have to do with this is right. Is from the shoot standard of this um, MJF for the most part is overrated on promos. Okay. I agree. For the most part. Um, and I said on Twitter, I go, he's got one out of five home runs. And again, listen, I don't know how many I bats you get one out of five every time you go up there you hit a home run that's not a bad percentage i'd say right
1: yeah he's the joey gallo of promos and i don't know who that is only the boar will get that (laughs) okay
0: so the thing is there's people that come out and are touting this promo that he did on wednesday the same way that they tout and put over the promos where he comes out and says you're all a bunch of stupid marks i bang rats i'm better than you all the lazy, low-hanging fruit that he usually does. And then they say, like, all of those, every week they say, those promos are great. And then they say, this promo is great. They can't all be great. Yeah. There's a there's a line, there's a difference when it comes to the MJF promos. He's got it in him. This proved it. Yeah. More promos like this because when he does those other promos, the Rats and the Marks, and the hometown shit, and the sports team shit, and all that stuff, it doesn't feel genuine. It feels, like I said, he's just hitting the low-hanging fruit. He's doing the base-level heel promo shtick. There's no heart, there's no soul, there's no anything to this. Whereas the promo that he caught on Wednesday, it felt real. And if there's a way that he could channel that for most of his promos, and I get why he can't. Because if that's what all of his promos are, then all of his promos are that. So I'm torn because I want more promos like he did on Wednesday, but I don't know if he's got the material or the chops or the everything else like somebody else on this show that does have the material and does have the chops and can go out there every week and cut a promo, and make it feel real, and not feel shitty and scripted. So I'm torn, right?
1: I'm going to cut you off and just say, like, obviously, if MJF had the capability of delivering that every week, and he did it at that level, then he would turn into the sympathetic baby face that, you know, obviously, Eddie Kingston, you can't not cheer for him, you know? So, like, I don't think they want MJF to become a top baby face, at least right now. So okay. even if he had it in him, you don't want him to go out there and do that every week. Or but I don't do think he has it in him. You, or do you? I do Because now we get into the
0: kayfabe, the storyline of everything from the promo, okay? And this goes back to the very first AEW pay-per-view when MJF was Cody's lapdog sidekick or whatever it was. And we, as a fan base the wrestlers all saw what a piece of shit MJF was, but Cody would still go out there and cut these promos and say, oh, MJF's the greatest guy. He's my best friend. He's a real true baby face. You guys just don't see it and everything else. But like the product that's being presented on TV is MJF being a piece of shit. And Cody's just coming out here and lying to us. Is Mm -hmm. Cody not watching the same show we're watching Does Cody look at MJF being a piece of shit and say, that's how a babyface acts because that's how (laughs) clouded his judgment is? So they, AEW, have always had it in their back pocket for MJF to eventually be a babyface. The best heels in wrestling end up being the best babyface in wrestling. Austin, uh, even going back to Hulk Hogan back in the late 70s, early 80s, um, Roddy Piper, uh, any of these guys like this Best heels become the best babyfaces. Best baby faces become the best heels. So when you look at the story, kayfabe, the storyline that they're telling with this punk and MJF thing, okay? Yeah. MJF cut a babyface promo, okay? And in a vacuum, he was the babyface on Wednesday night. Now the story's not done. Pay-per-view's not for another week, right? Mm-hmm. We still got one more TV before the walk-up. This story isn't over of what we're going to see here. But in the storyline, there's now a question. For the last several weeks, MJF was very clearly the heel. CM Punk was very clearly the the baby face. And MJF had been telling us that we're going to see the real CM Punk. And he really is a piece of shit. And when CM Punk can't get what he wants anymore, we're going to see what a bad person CM Punk is and what a good person MJF is. Now, do we get the fake out where MJF comes out and says, I made all this stuff up? Well, now you make Punk look like an idiot because he believed it. But Punk didn't 100% believe it. He questioned it, which is exactly what we should all be doing, is as fans, we should be questioning MJF's motives because what he has been presented as an on-screen character And even as an online persona, and I'm going to draw like a little bit of a line here because after last week's show, he was still tweeting out at fans like, fuck you, Mark, Rat, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Uh And then like over the weekend, like Saturday, he tweeted out the picture of him as a little kid meeting Punk. And then he was Twitter silent for like four days. And then today he tweeted out just, Um, that, you know, that took a lot for me to say and everything else like that. So sometime in between last Wednesday and Saturday, somebody came up with the idea for the promo from this past Wednesday. Now, keep an eye on MJF social media because there's no one who loves more than just to dunk on people and fight back with people on Twitter than MJF. And he hasn't done it since Saturday. So let's see if he could keep this going to keep the bit alive. Not unlike a young Ed, from <laughs> Pandem, right?
1: Yeah. But, I honestly, well, I was going to say, you don't have to go against, if you're MJF, you don't have to go against your nature and, and keep this bit alive. Because a, as you mentioned, CM Punk is skeptical and we don't want MJF to come out and be like, hi, I lied. And ha ha. It was all a ruse. Uh, but do we? No, but I do don't. We? Here's what I want to see. I want to see MJF, Double down on it, Be and not double down on the crying, but just be like, yeah, it was all 100% true. Uh, you know, I stand by all of it. Maybe CM Punk, you know, in the gullible babyface fashion, is like, "Hey, man, I'm I'm sorry that I put you through that. I, I didn't really realize, you know, my my actions could affect others." And then just have MGF like lay him out, you know, just low blow him, hit him with the diamond ring, beat him down, get some of that heel heat back, and just be like, "You made me do this. You made me do this." So he's doubling down that everything he said was true, but he's acting like a heel because CM Punk showed some sympathy, some remorse for what he. Did did. So CM Punk kind of retained some of that face nature. Uh, but what do I know? I don't know what a baby face is, just like Kingston.
0: Right. You think Shawn Michaels is a baby face. Um, <laughs> So it's I just like the fact that they've actually added this layer of storytelling to this whole thing, where yeah. now there's question, and the question can be asked. And I'm just worried that, like you said, like next week on, the, on TV, or even like next Saturday at the pay-per-view, MJF just comes out and says like, These things happened, but I elaborated on them or none of these things happened. And I did this to make you all look like fools. Ha ha ha, all you dumb marks. Ha ha ha, rats, 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 Sports Town, Sports Town, Sports Time. And just goes back to the same bullshit thing that he did before. Yeah. So you could do the thing where you do the double turn, where you have MJF be proven to be right, that CM Punk actually is a piece of shit. And MJF just through the sheer force of this promo now becomes the baby face. And I think you got something there. Or you could have the thing where all of this was true and he doesn't use it as like, I exaggerated to try to trick Punk and make him look bad. He has that moment where he's about to beat his hero and his hero is there all bloodied and dog collared up and everything else like that. And MJF can't do it. He takes the dog collar off and just walks out. So now the program keeps going. And now there's even more question. Like if this was all a ruse and CM Punk or MJF was just trying to get one over on Punk and us, wouldn't he have taken this victory here? So I just like that this promo has added so much and I have my fingers crossed that they at least give us until after the pay-per-view if they're going to fuck us and say, ha, 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 marks, 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 rats, 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 rats lame-ass <laughs> shit promos again.
1: I, and also, uh, be my last point on this, you mentioned like, oh, you could do a double turn, and here's why it'd be interesting. I don't disagree with you with any of that, and I know that you're not the biggest fan of this guy, but I would feel like if you did a double turn, you're completely fucking Wardlow. Because, like, you've been building towards a Wardlow opportunity uh, of him turning on MJF and getting that pop that the AEW crowd wants to see. Uh, so, like, if you turn MJF, now it's like, okay, is, like, Wardlow just his good buddy now? Is he, like, now Wardlow's going to turn heel? I I, I don't want to say I'm invested in that storyline, but I I want to see a finish to it. So, I. I and I get that that's secondary to MJF versus CM Punk, but still, it's not like throw everything out.
0: Okay, so I'll say this. Um, I never said I'm not a fan of MJF. No, I um, would say Wardlow. Okay, uh, I, Wardlow's I'm fine. Ward- I like Wardlow. Wardlow's fine. But I think they kind of at least put, a, put, like, put the lid on the Wardlow story when he did the sly handoff of the ring to MJF. But this is like the third time where they've done the tease, Of, like, MJF and Wardlow aren't getting along. Wardlow's going to turn babyface. Like, this is the third time that they've done it and then just either ignored it or just kind of like put it back in the box and we're like, we'll come back and revisit this another time.
2: Yeah.
0: MJF turns babyface. It separates him from the rest of the pinnacle. And then you get MJF and Wardlow as the new two dudes with attitudes, Shawn Michaels and Diesel. (laughs) <laughs> as baby faces and then you can come back and revisit a heel turn somewhere down the road
1: i i don't know if we can have multiple two dudes with attitude because we currently have raquel gonzalez and cora jade doing that so <laughs> anyway <laughs> so cora
0: that's, a, that's on a show no one watches so <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's only because my spreadsheet's out of date that's your fault
0: no well, that is my fault
1: yeah all right joe well we both overlapped on that you know we both want to talk about that do you have something you'd like to talk about I do. I have several things, but I have um, several as well.
0: (laughs) Hey, how about Eddie Kingston clowning Chris Jericho on a promo?
1: Nobody Uh, could out talk Jericho.
0: (laughs) Not only does Eddie Kingston come out and say, I don't want a sports entertainment promo. They suck. If you're just going to come out in here, do this. Let's have a match instead because I just want to fight you. And then Jericho goes, oh, I'm going to give you a sports entertainment promo. And it sucked. (laughs) he's like i'm gonna use big words it was all this other stuff and jericho um you know everyone's like oh jericho's the best he's the he's the like champion and he's the influencer and he's the whatever and he reinvents himself and all this other shit no he he clinging to relevancy by constantly changing himself up Outside of pleather Puerto Rican pants, Eddie (laughs) Kingston has been the same professional wrestling character for the last 20 years. However the hell long he's been wrestling for. He comes across as a real person that you would want to hang around with. Have him be your friend. And he's someone that you want to have your back. Chris Jericho comes off as a fake, phony, fraud who's reciting lines that have no heart and no soul to them. The only thing that I will give Jericho in this program with Kingston, at least for the matches and promos with the other members of the inner circle and Eddie Kingston, he's not wearing his boots with lifts in them so that he <laughs> lets the other people look bigger than he is. Um, Jericho definitely thinks that he's the baby face in this storyline and you are not the babyface in any storyline. If your opponent is
1: Eddie Kingston. <laughs> yeah, I I like this segment as well obviously because of the fact that uh Kingston clown Jericho uh, for all the reasons you said um if Kingston doesn't either win this or it somehow lead to like a series of wins down the road like there was with the Orange Cassidy where OC lost the first one uh that's the only scenario where I would accept a loss on the pay-per-view but uh yeah, uh, Jericho was, was outclassed there. But that's all I have to say about that. And that's why I just love the, what's a baby face? Like, I might I might say that forever. If
0: I was, and again, like, bless Kingston for showing restraint. Because anytime Jericho took a breath, I would have just fucking ripped him to shreds.
1: Oh, yeah. There looked like so many times he was biting his tongue. Yeah, <laughs> he's
0: know? so bad, just wanted to rip him to shreds. Now, you mentioned about the uh, Jericho OC thing. And I had flashbacks to OC getting that big win against Chris Jericho. Adam, you remember that big win that Orange Cassidy got against Chris Jericho, right? You see it all the time in highlight packages and stuff like this. Oh,
1: you mean the the Mimosa one, right? The third one. No, no,
0: one? the one where Orange Cassidy pinned Chris Jericho clean in the middle of the ring. Huh.
1: Uh, you know what? I'm sure the footage is readily available somewhere, right?
0: Right. The one that they can't show because Chris Jericho uh, sandbagged OC intentionally or not intentionally. forgot how uh, to wrestle. because he didn't he didn't remember how to roll forward. <laughs> um, and luckily, Eddie Kingston don't have no fancy pinning maneuvers that Jericho <laughs> could sandbag him on. Yeah. um, but I do have a fear in the back of my head that for some reason, uh Jericho's gonna do something to make the finish of this look fucky, so they can't show
1: Jericho winning.
0: Um Kingston winning. Or Kingston winning over Jericho.
1: <sighs> Kingston better force the issue then. I don't know. Um I don't know. I mean Jericho to his credit looks to be in much, much better physical shape than he was over the you know, maybe a year ago. Uh so maybe he'll be a little bit better in the ring.
0: He, he looks to be in better shape than he was a week ago on TV. I don't know how he does it, Adam.
1: <laughs> Ugh, he's got abs now. Like, I don't know. Are they painted on? Is this CGI? If he moves, will the abs stay behind? <laughs> there's
0: There's a lot of people on the AEW roster that are big fans of not being in shape, like, for several weeks on TV or YouTube. And then putting a picture up on Instagram where they have abs and then... They show up on tv and they have the abs for one week on tv but then like the other four to six weeks they don't i don't know how human bodies work um <laughs> i know how mine works it's a fucking disaster but uh <laughs> good luck to you if you as a 58 year old man or even an early 30s man or deciding to do put your body through that sort of strenuous flip-flopping you know
1: yeah well give it a shot send me the link <laughs> Um, I, I do have one other thing, and this is actually a relatively quick thing. I don't have a lot of in-depth detail to talk about, but this is also dynamite related, and that is I really, really like Buddy Murphy, and I'm glad he's back on television. Uh, I liked Buddy Murphy the few times that uh, when back when 205 Live was a, was allegedly a thing, and Buddy was the cruiserweight champ or was challenging for the cruiserweight championship. And like the pay-per-view pre-shows would be like, here's your, your random cruiserweight match, and it would be like Buddy Murphy against Gulak or Ali or something like that. And I know uh, Ed Cody's getting uh, full mass right now when we talking about these guys, but, uh, you know, I liked all of those matches where he got to have him steal the, the show. And then, obviously, he had his little run against Aleister Black, and he never got the win, and he kind of got buried as the disciple and released. But I like Buddy Murphy, so I'm excited to see what he does with the uh, the the spooky people in AEW.
0: Uh, yeah, Buddy Murphy is a guy who's kind of, like, he's been on the radar since he got released. He was going to pop up in AEW eventually. Uh, I like the idea of him being in the spooky uh, fortune-telling socks group. <laughs> Um, But he's a guy who just looks like a superstar Um, He has a great physique A great look Could do tons of great stuff in the ring And they signed him So he's going to be there for at least a year You know, I don't know how contracts work either
1: <laughs> Sure, it's not a five-month deal?
0: Uh, well, again, I think Just like in World Wrestling Ever- Entertainment Everyone's on rolling 90-day deals
1: <laughs> Yeah But yeah, I'm uh, excited to see the, him come on And I, I need to get his figure now
0: yeah, I saw you trolling in the group. It's like, oh, I need his elite
1: now. <laughs> and it's, it's a chase elite too, which is the fucking frustrating part. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, anything else, Joe? Anything yeah, else important happened today, maybe?
0: <laughs> yeah, last but not least, uh, very quietly, um, Claudio Castagnoli. And again, I, I, he was one of those guys I would always say, it's like, ah, you know, when you're in the world wrestling entertainment, you get a new name. You have to have, like, your new name for as long as you had your old name for me to call you by your new name. And I would call him Cesaro every now and then. But, like, he's been in WWE for almost 11 years now. I've always still just called him Claudio because he's always Claudio. Um, But, he, you know, he didn't leave AJ Styles' Kevin Owens' money on the table. But, you know, he left, like, a third of that on the table. Um, But he non-renewed his contract. He wasn't released. So he ain't got no 90-day compete. He could pop up anywhere um and the sky's the limit for him and a lot of people are like oh man what's he gonna do next and like like even i would said to some people I'm like i don't know he's like living in florida he might go like dick around at like tyler breeze's school for a little bit <laughs> um i can't see him going like too too crazy like he's not gonna be wrestling like this weekend somewhere um but i don't know if you saw the tweet like we're literally right as we started to record <laughs> where eddie kingston just tweeted out uh he ain't got the guts to come here (laughs) and he didn't say nobody's name. He didn't tag nobody in it, but we all knew what he was talking about. Yeah. And uh, everyone's got their dream matches. Uh, You know, Claudio versus this one and Claudio versus that one. And all the Chikara kids are like, oh man, you know, it should be Claudio just versus all the 2015 to 2020 Chikara (laughs) kids. And even is like I was in one of the last classes that Claudio taught, you know, you want to do a teacher versus student sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I just want Claudio to be himself, man. Just whatever the hell he wants to do. He don't want to take no bookings. He wants to do seminars. He wants to do a Twitch channel. He wants to revitalize his YouTube channel that I still subscribe to and just put goofy joke videos up there. I'm just happy he's happy, man. You know, he's one of the best dudes in the world. Um, You know, there's guys like him that we've talked about. You are not going to see a someone say a bad thing about Claudio. There's one guy who did a bunch of times, but he's like the biggest piece of shit in the world. So fuck him. Not even a rest. He's not even a wrestler. He's barely a fan, but fuck that guy. Um, But yeah, man, like everybody loves Claudio. He's one of the best. He was literally like one of the most untapped potential guys. And like, he's 41 now, but like, You know, 41's nothing in 2020 when it comes to wrestling, man. Like, Claudio's got, like, another five years in him if he wants him. Or he could be done if he wants to.
1: Yeah. He he still looks like a million bucks. Yeah. Like...
0: The, The selfish side of me is I want to see him versus Eddie. I want to see him versus the Boar. I want to see him against Avery Good. I want to see him get, I want to see all those Chikara kids that never got that chance, never got that opportunity, there's that word, to share the ring with Claudio. And I don't even mean for just a match. I even mean just so they can like, get a chance to like train with them or talk with them. You know, there's so much negativity surrounding what Chikara has become over the last two years, five years, whatever it is. A lot of those kids deserve that. Uh, they, they deserve something positive to come out of that time that they had in Shakara. And, uh, but Claudio deserves it too, man. He deserves to be happy. And he walked away from WWE and, you know, it's WrestleMania season. They were kind of positioning him and ricochet as a tag team. And then they just dropped it, you know, and, and people bitch and complain about how many people AEW were, are, um, signing and everything. But, they don't have a brand split. They do have a lot of people signed. But you have to understand, like, and again, YouTube counts. You know what I mean? But they're putting out, like, six hours of TV a week between YouTube and actual real TV. Claudio was on the SmackDown roster, which is wafer thin. And they can't figure out somewhere to put him on TV once a week? And once every two weeks? You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you look at a guy like that who could do stuff, do what he could do, connect with the crowd in the way that he connected with the crowd and
1: look at him and just like, I don't know, I, I can't figure out anything to do with him. Maybe okay. it's you. Yeah, I obviously there's a lot of people that we talk about on this podcast that I discovered through the podcast, whether it be Eddie Kingston or Orange Cassidy or whatever. But I was a Cesaro fan. From like the early days, I don't want to say that I was jumping on during the yodeling, but like maybe <laughs> during the, you know, whether it was the, uh, the tag team with him and Tyson kid or the, the, we, the people stuff, you know, they're relatively early and I've always been a big fan. And I was a guy that was like, this guy should be a fucking star. Like he is a star, but he should be portrayed as one. And I always kind of took it personally that my guy, like a guy that I liked, had these start and stop pushes, you know, like the when he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And like when he was a Paul Heyman guy and, you know, all these little runs that he had. Uh, And obviously he had a lot of top guy runs as a tag team, you know, in the bar, uh, yada, yada. But uh, like, I always wanted more from him. Uh, And through no fault of his own But just like I always wanted the WWE To see what we all saw in him And if this means that hey he's going to Go and hopefully, fingers crossed, have a a run someplace else where he can be showcased. And I'm not saying he needs to become the AEW champion next week or he needs to become the New Japan pro wrestling champion. But just someplace where they'll be like, "All right, we're going to send you out there and just have a really good match against somebody you want. Do you want to wrestle Danielson? Great. Do you want to wrestle, you know, Hangman? Great. You know, whatever. Uh, Just give him the opportunity to do that. And as you said, you know, if you're in AEW, you could do an indie date. You know, you could. Or, or we miss, I uh, believe you can, but you know, you can go ahead and do this date here and work with us, former Chikara guys. Um, I just want if, if he wants to never wrestle again, like you said, that's fine. Uh, selfishly, I want to see him have the opportunity to be presented as the star that he's been, you know, his entire career. And, uh, I, I know I, I mention him as Claudio every once in a while. I feel dirty when I do that because I feel like I don't deserve it because I wasn't around during that era. So I might still call him Cesaro for a little bit until I until I earned the Claudio part.
0: No, nah, you, you've you earned it. You're allowed
1: to call him Cesaro. <laughs> well, that's what you said. That's what I said. Or you're, you're allowed
0: to call him Claudio, rather. You, oh, know, okay.
1: you know what I meant. I appreciate it. But All right. I, I, I hope, I hope uh, like I said, that we see whatever he does. I hope that, I don't know. Hate the WWE. This is, this is the moral of the story. I just yeah, talking. you know, they're they're not
0: doing a lot to endear themselves to, like, a majority of wrestling populace, you know? Yeah. Let's get into plugs before we get into uh, voicemail and weekly purchases. Uh, you can go sign up for Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, a.k.a. independentwrestling.tv. Use the promo code at odds. Uh, nothing free, but if you're a new subscriber, it lets Jerry know that you came to us um or came to him from us there are no less than 10 shows live streaming this weekend i'm not going to sit here and list them all but the one that i'm going to be watching is saturday night pwf um out of north carolina set phasers to funk for real um the i would say main event match on this is in his sixth of 10 matches that he has left Uh, Unless he gets that match with Claudio, then he'll unquit himself. Uh, (laughs) Avery Good is taking on Jigsaw. Oh, okay. And I'm excited to see those two guys mix it up. Um, Before everything happened with COVID and Chikara and so on and so forth, they were supposed to have a singles match. During uh, Avery Good's championship run there in Chikara, it didn't happen. There was a bunch of matches like that that were supposed to happen, and I hope... A couple more of them happen before he hangs them up for good.
1: Yeah, and I'm looking at that uh, event poster, and uh, two observations: I see that Bojack is the champion, and that yes. is the at odds bump, uh, the gender neutral monarch bump. And uh, the other thing is, is Azrael on this show? The Azrael? No, not the Azrael.
0: Okay. A lot of people like the name Azrael. I think. Oh, all right, fine. I got excited uh, you... for a second. You can go uh, to our T Public store, uh, tinyyearold.com slash longbox heroes, the mothership of the soon to be named network. So that's where everything links through. Uh, 35% off sale this weekend up to Sunday. Shirts and stickers and pins with add ons with wrestling inspired designs on them. You go check those out. You can also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. It's in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Uh, Some of the notable purchases for the Amazon click through this past week include the McFarlane Toys DC Multiverse Reverse Flash action figure. Oh. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a rabbit hole that I really can't get myself going down. But I do have to ask a question to someone who might know better. Did they do
1: a Captain Cold in this line yet? Uh To the best of my knowledge, they did not. Um, I want to say that there was a Cap... Are you looking for comic book Captain Cold, I assume? Yes. Not like uh, friggin' from Arrow or Legends? I'd rather comic book. Okay. So
0: DC Direct has... Yeah, I've um, seen that one. The Wentworth Miller looking one. I'm okay.
1: Yeah, that was probably the last... Uh, Captain Cold figures, so any comic book related ones would have been prior to that, if yes. that makes sense. So, uh, DC Multiverse, the McFarland stuff, uh, there has not been uh, a Captain Cold. It's weird because despite the fact that the the Flash's Rogues Gallery is supposedly number one, there's very few Rogues. Um, I know that there's the Reverse Flash that uh, is in this listing, and I know they just announced Godspeed, but I don't think there's any other Rogues in this line.
0: Man, they don't like making money, I guess. What can I yes, tell you? they're allergic to it. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm assuming inspired by our discussions here last week, um, somebody purchased the Funko Pops of the Dude Love, the Alexa Bliss WrestleMania 37 Chase, and the Ponytail Brock Lesnar Funko Pops.
1: Ah, s- smart person there. Mm-hmm. You, you, there's no such thing as having too many Funko Pops, I always say.
0: That's right. I'm assuming those were different people because no one person who would buy all of those Funko Pops. That just seems <laughs> excessive. It does. <laughs> um, so I think that's all we got there, right? Yeah, that I think I do, so. On the plugs.
1: Yep. I'm going to go ahead and let you know about some podcasts you should listen to and some that you shouldn't listen to, Joe. And the ones that we're going to listen to are Long Box Heroes, Long Box Heroes After Dark, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Hit My Music, Wrestling Cheers, Between the Sheets, IWTV Guide, Pod Van Dam, Hellion's Talks, and making their debut, their long overdue debut in The Plugs, because they got the broski bump this week, and that's Wings on Wings, so uh, welcome to The Plugs, Wings on Wings. And uh, you know what? I've been dropping a lot of shows from The Plugs recently, Joe. And I say that once you are dropped from the plugs, I will never mention your name again. Just like how I dropped the A-Show and the House Show podcast and Viewer's Choice. Uh, You know what? Final Wrestling Place, you're getting dropped from the plugs. So I will never mention Final Wrestling Place again. Just like I never mentioned the A-Show, the House Show, or Viewer's Choice. Wow. You're looking to get a lot of heat with a lot of people, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. You know what? If you want to say something about it, have a podcast. And then we'll talk.
0: (laughs) I'll forward any DMs I get to you. How about that?
1: Fair enough. I will never mention that show. I, I'm hard and fast that I don't mention the shows that I that I drop from the plugs.
0: And uh, hey, I'll just mention this. Uh, it was made official. You know, I knew about it for a couple of weeks, uh, but LVAC is back on May sixth. Bash at the Brewery, uh, the Weibocker Brewery in Easton, Pennsylvania. Um, no wrestling, uh, wrestlers have been announced for it yet. They announced the band that's going to be playing there and the band. I don't know, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, you know, we're about a month and a half, uh, I don't know, two months, two and a half months away (laughs) from LVAC coming back May 6th. Uh, as I get more information, you'll get more information.
1: Yep. I already put it in my calendar when the LeVac announced it the other day. And, uh, so I'll be there. And uh, it's a brewery, so I assume I could drink there. So, fingers crossed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And uh, let's get into uh, voicemails, huh? Yeah, let's do it.
4: Hey, guys. It's Kevin Ford. And I've had a thought in my head since listening to weekly purchases that I've had to get out. I have to get off my chest. Adam, in listening to you discuss purchasing the Save the Date for the Chelsea and Matt Wedding, and the idea of having a small display with the micro brawlers from their wedding, the shot glass, and the magnet that serves as the save the date. I am wondering if you have given the th- any thought to what you will do when inevitably somebody comes to your house, perhaps a friend, a family member, maybe even someone of romantic interest, and sees this display, and the conversation goes, "Oh, that's a really cool setup." how was the wedding? And your response, (laughs) oh, I didn't go to the wedding. In fact, I was not even invited. I purchased these items. (laughs) I don't know the bride and groom and the bride and groom don't know me.
1: Well, that's a
4: prepared (laughs) For this conversation and uh, perhaps maybe a therapist or psychologist that you will be referred to uh, inevitably suggested by the person afterwards. Just wanted to make sure that might have been uh, thought about for one day down the line with this conversation inevitably happens.
1: That's all. Take care. Uh, so many layers to that. So uh, I, I just want to address, first of all, how dare you? Second of all, uh, I'm pretty sure broski at the very least knows who I am a lot more this week after recent events in the Facebook group, but maybe more on that later. Uh, my name has definitely come up in a lot of things on his Facebook thread, uh, but uh, uh I don't know. I don't think that magnet's going to be a showcase of my collection anytime soon since it's never going to be signed. But that also might have something to do with the uh, the staging of a coup that I attempted this week. But uh, uh, again, how dare you, Kevin? How dare you? The staging of a coup. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Uprising? Attempted Uprising?
0: Hmm. Is, that, is that better? I'll, publicly, I guess I'll let you have that one. I don't know. Okay. Privately, I've made
1: my feelings known. Yeah. And I I echo Kevin's sentiments. Well, again, uh, a a lot less brosky stuff in the household lately. Uh, You know, more on that maybe later.
0: (laughs) All right. Next up. Hey,
5: guys, it's Ben Pascoe, and I just have a question for Adam. Do you think what you did in the major Facebook group with merch books is more like last exit to springfield when they fight against mr burns or more like hungry hungry homer when he exposes the isotopes moving to albuquerque thank you love the show wait love the no it's a different thing all right bye
1: <laughs> all right first thing joe uh thanks for the call ben uh but joe i need you to explain to me these simpsons references <laughs>
0: um well i think ben did a great job of explaining them uh ben is a big uh fellow simpsons super fan um but i think he might just be ribbing you in uh what you did in the facebook group uh was the illusion of change (laughs) um i don't know if you've gone back and saw the knick post where he said like hey we're gonna fix this and everyone just like Man, I hope everyone comes and apologizes to you now for all the horrible things
1: they said about you. Oh, save it, Joe. Save it. Because, all again, right. I, I'm stewing on this. You're getting me riled up. I got I got notes. <laughs> all right. Listen, all heat, no
0: heaters is coming up later. Yeah. Thank you for your call, Ben. Next, yeah, next call.
5: Hey, guys. Kevin here. Uh, once again, waiting to see if we get a ton of snow overnight. Uh, not quite sure if you guys are in the same... Uh, Storm path that I am here in New York, but if you are, you know, uh, stay warm, stay safe. So, speaking of staying warm and safe, let's talk about toxic attraction. <laughs> I want to talk about toxic environments. So, Cesaro left today; that that story came out. Uh, couldn't come to deals with a new contract. Um, Tony Storm said, "Fuck you! I'm going home." Uh, uh, Mustafa Ali is trying to leave WWE and they're just not letting him. And it's at the point now where I'm like, this just feels like an absolute toxic work environment. And I got wondering about both of you either, either personally or stories that you're aware of and say wrestling and, and let's open enough to the cross interest here, like comics, toy shows, conventions, stuff like that, where you walked into a room, you walked into a, a place of, work you walked into an office something and you just knew this is an absolutely toxic environment these people are out for themselves they will screw me over in a second this is an awful place to be in and I want no part of it or again tangentially a story that you know of and are comfortable sharing I've had it myself. I had a job interview. I was walking around the place, and I absolutely knew that the position they were interviewing me for was going to be a scapegoat because I could see the place falling apart and going under. And the spot that I would have been in would have been the one to blame for it. So I knew that's what they are doing, and I did not accept their job offer. And sure enough, they were gone within a couple months later.
1: But that's my question, guys. Maybe will lead to conversation. If not, oh, well better look for me next week. Talk to you later, guys. Bye. Um, a couple things. Uh, first thing, the the job that Kevin was describing where it was basically going to be a scapegoat, that is Barney Stinson's job on How I Met Your Mother, where it's just a corporate scapegoat. Um, second of all, I am rather disappointed that we did not get a chance to talk about Toxic Attraction. Uh, they are on a God-tier run right now that I think really needs some more attention, Uh, And I will default most of my time to Joe, but I will say that my current position at the importer exporter business is probably the most toxic work environment I've ever dealt with because it is the drizzling shits. And I'm only there because uh, the paychecks are still clearing, but uh, it is really bad there. But I don't have any like experience in like uh, comic books or in the wrestling with a really bad environment. I'm sure you do, Joe.
0: Uh, You know, I've had the same super secret science job now for almost 22 years. I've been working from home for the last two years, so you know, I I'm I was always pretty good at separating like work life from people life. and now I could really do it that I work from home., <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I've told the story here before, but you know the the waning days of my involvement with Chikara um, wasn't so much that it was a, you know, and everyone's mileage with Chikara varies, of course, but it wasn't so much that it was toxic, but I could definitely tell um that the writing was on the wall for my usefulness there was expiring um and I kind of got out before like Mike would have kept just paying me to come and sit at shows and work the door right mm. but that was time away from like other stuff I could be doing or time with my family or time just doing whatever and you know, I got out, and I, I did go back a couple times after that, but it was always on my own terms, and it was always for more money than what I was getting before. Um, and then even when I left, like... Um, so when I left Dragon Gate Evolve, um, you know, it was right before we, you know, we found out that April was pregnant. We were going to have of uh, that October, and we were going to kind of wrap up that year right before he was born, and it was that, ye- that WrestleMania weekend where... Gabe was just like a really big dick to me into April, like the entire weekend, and it was like I'm like okay, um, we were gonna wrap up, you know, October anyway. It's April now. Hey, I go. I'm just gonna let you know, um, April's pregnant. I'm going off the road. I don't want to do wrestling no more. Thank you very much for the opportunity to do this, but thanks, you know. Yeah. And then uh, even with GCW, like I was doing GCW stuff before GCW really blew up. Um, I had a really good time calling uh, the matches. You know, I'm not much of a death match guy. And, you know, not to toot my own horn, toot, toot. But I think <laughs> me not being a death match guy, having, like, those real visceral reactions to some of those, like, things that were happening in a lot of those deathmatches, I think kind of sort of added to, um, you know, what those matches were. And, you know, I got to call a lot of matches with Grant, uh, Danny Havoc, and, you know, he kind of stopped doing it and, um, it just wasn't fun for me anymore. And, you know, I got out before they became like the huge sensation that they are today. And I know Ed was busting my chops on social media saying that triple six promotion, the West coast competing GCW promotion is going to come knocking on my door. And I'm like, that's not going to happen, Ed, but thank you very much for even joking around. And then I quickly had to mute that thread because, people got tagged in it and then don't want to deal with that shit. Um, but, you know, I, I think when you get to a certain point in your life at a certain age or a certain realization of, you know, who you are as a person, you know, hopefully, and it sounds like Kevin was able to do this as well, that even before we got the job, he saw that it was going to be a setup for a dead end. Some people never see it, you know, and some people like everyone else sees it around them and you know, they can't see it for themselves, and, you know, I, I feel as though, like, I was kind of lucky that I was able to see it for myself before it got, like, too, too out of control.
1: Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks for the call, Kevin.
0: Thank you. Next call. Pink oh, pot? sorry, go ahead. You had something?
1: No, I was going to say, uh, pink button time. Oh, nope, no. We got
0: one more call before the pink button. Oh, shit. My bad. Hello, at odds with wrestling,
3: calling very last minute. It's the strongest man in all the land. Austin MacArthur. my car, I don't want to make every call about myself, I have other things to talk about, but before I do, I will say I love the, the little Mortal Kombat tribute to myself by uh, Adam, you know, I really am working all of the hoxes of the East, I guess you could say, you know, we start off with Dan Champion, I fake Rex Lawless, got massacred by that man at Wrestling Open, uh, the boar is the main boss, it seems. I've actually had a match with him you know, in the past. It was a very unknown match. It was a tag match when me and Chuck were barely wrestling at that point versus him and Blank. Um, you might want to check it out on YouTube if you get a chance, but I will warn you, we were very, very new to this whole thing. But anyways, there's got to be bigger bosses, bigger hosses for me to face out there. Why don't you uh, think of some people to think the people to think of in the hoss world that I should pick up and Body slam? We'll work on that. But anyways, speaking of horses, I have a conversation. And I think that Chuck Stone might be one of the most elusive big men in the history of, okay, not the history, but right now in independent wrestling. And the very fact that he's not catching the steam blows my mind. He gives me those one-man gang, John Penta vibes, you know, Big Bam Bam, Bam Bigelow. Uh, yeah, you know, we gotta give, self, gotta give some love to the big man himself, the burger-loving badass. We'd really love to see Chuck Stone get out there more the singles guy. You know, I do that a lot myself. But, you know, we tag a lot, and then he doesn't do much singles other than his match with Megabyte Ronnie. Okay, this call's getting quite uh, long-winded, so I'll end it right there. Love you guys. We'll be talking soon. <laughs>
1: Uh, so after I tweeted out that uh, the Mortal Kombat ranking that, that, that Artie mentioned there, uh, Artie DM'd me and said what he just said now is that bulking season faced blank and the boar and uh, to seek it out. So I did go and look for that. And it was uh, USWA. UXWA, yes. UXWA. And I watched it and Artie doesn't give himself enough credit. He keeps saying, oh, you know, he was new to it and all that stuff. But uh, it was a good match from all four parties, obviously. Uh, so I checked that out. and. As far as other hosses, now, first of all, you can't look past the Boar. Like, you can't be like, oh, what other hosses are there out there? I've already told you who the biggest and baddest of all of them. If you want to know, like, who you can work your way up to, like, who's in between, you know, Dan Champion and the Boar, I'm sure there's lots of people that Joe can suggest. But if we're talking tippy top, obviously the Boar's all the way up there. Uh, And obviously all that praise for Chuck Stone is very much warranted. But I will say... That is a Haas that I have not yet seen Artie face, and one day that might come, hopefully not for a very long time, but uh, Arthur MacArthur, the strongest man in all the land against Chuck Stone, that would put some butts in the seats, if uh, if I don't say so myself. The bulking season explodes, sure. Yep, they'd have to go through like a burger shop window. (laughs) So, you you look it out in
0: uh, AIW itself, of course. You know, I think Chuck has mixed it up before with Kaplan. But, you know, those two could certainly mix it up uh, again. And this goes for Chuck or Artie. You know, singles matches with Kaplan. Uh, Isaiah Bronner is catching some steam out there in AIW. Uh, I think Derek Director is a sneaky hoss. He may not have the height, but he's definitely got the size to him, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: Ah, uh, you look at some other names coming up on the uh, indie circuit. Uh, currently, he's doing stuff with New Japan and Impact and stuff. But the former Bronson Reed, Jonah Rock, is you know uh, already makes these comparisons to like your Bam Bam Bigelow, your One Man Gang types. And I would say that Jonah is kind of like the modern day uh, version of that. So Jonah against either one of these two guys, and we talked about him a bunch before. You know, he's got the size. He does the strongman stuff. You know. Claudio against Artie would be right ooh. up there, man. <laughs> It'd be like looking
1: in a mirror. <laughs> two mirrors. Yeah, two mirrors. <laughs> that's, that's a good idea, right there. All uh, right. I, it's... I, you know what? I, ooh, that's tough because I don't know who's stronger there.
0: It, uh, oh, that's going to be great. Artie, fast forward for like five seconds. Claudio yeah. way stronger. <laughs> way stronger.
1: It's all glamour muscles. That's the thing. You think so? You think so? <laughs> yeah. That's all. That's all that is with Claudio. I mean, was, Artie's got a stronger core. I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll see. All right, Artie, all right. you can resume the rest of the podcast.
0: Yeah. All right, pink button time.
1: Yeah.
2: Hey, Joe and Adam, it's Ed. Uh, I'm calling it day early than normal because uh, I don't want to forget what I was going to say. <laughs> um, but this week, uh. Someone tweeted that Edge is the best promo in wrestling, and I don't know, like, why, but for some reason that is really just stuck in my brain all day. It's been bugging me a lot because Edge is terrible, and uh, he's reached this level of where, like, if Edge is involved in this thing, I no longer care about it. And I was just wondering if you guys can think of an example of somebody that's come back and hurt their legacy in wrestling this much, like, as much as Edge. Did. They just love Edge. And then these last couple of years of his comeback, it's, it's shit. It's just the worst. Like, it's, there's nothing good about it. It's all been bad. All of it. And the person was like, the person better
3: might be Heyman.
2: And I think Heyman sucks too, right? Like, oh. Heyman's not that good. It's just for the last year and a half, him stuttering, right? He's just like, my my It's the worst shit. He sucks so bad. How are you guys? (laughs) I don't know, man. That set me off. Edge. Fucking edge. Can't even believe it. Anyway, I want to hear what you guys think about that. And, uh, you know, hopefully by the time this releases, Governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, will be dead. And uh, (laughs) in the future.
0: Bye. Before we uh, address Ed's call, he he did call back because he forgot something. Oh, okay.
2: So this is this is why I need to take notes of what I have to say uh, because I forgot. I did a weekly purchase, and I never buy anything. I, I fucking hate spending money, but I spent money this week. Um, I wish I could say that it was on a ticket to go see twice in uh, Long Island, but the Upper Bowl right now is selling for. $250 a ticket, so I don't think that's happening. So instead, I bought a twice shirt and a twice baseball jersey because I want to bond with my father wealth over baseball. But apparently, a K-pop baseball jersey doesn't cut it for him. He still thinks that I am uh, less of a man. Um, and that's, I guess that's it. Uh, Joe, can't wait till they announce you as a new signing for Circle <laughs> Six. Uh, okay, bye.
0: Did you, did you tell
1: wealth that you took your lip ring out? Cause I think that might help go a long way. Uh, I had to look up what twice was when I saw this Twitter threat and fun fact, that is literally a, my hero academia character. So it all comes <laughs> around when it comes to uh pod Van Dam. Um, I, I, I disagree with Ed about Paul Heyman not being good in his current role. So, uh, take that back. And as far as people ruining their legacy by coming back, uh, I do agree Edge is actively average uh, with all of his promos. If anybody says he's the greatest promo ever or the greatest promo currently going, uh, they they haven't seen anybody other than Edge cut a promo. But uh, if we're talking about somebody who ruined their legacy by coming back, uh, pick any one of Chris Jericho's comebacks of the last, like, six years, and I'll just say that's the one I pick. (laughs) So
0: um, I think Paul Heyman's good. Um, He's definitely overrated now, especially getting a chance to see, like, pure, unfiltered (laughs) 1997 Paul Heyman (laughs) and comparing to lazy, same bit, same whatever, 2022 Paul Heyman. He's good, but, again, he's someone who, you know comes out there for legends night. He gets to throw his pitch and everyone gets to awe and Ooh, that he could still do it. And it's great. You know, he's a better promo than I could ever do, but I've seen a lot better from Paul, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, edge is not a bad promo, but edge thinks he's like, edge has become more of an actor than a professional wrestler. Yeah. Edge is Cody now. <laughs> For better or for worse. Like when he comes out to do his promos, he gets to have a different presentation where he gets to sit on a stool or get to sit in the chair and they put the light on him. So they attempt to make us feel as though Edge's promos are good and special and different, but they're not really. They're just promos.
1: Here's the part where Edge started feeling weird to me. Something felt off. If you remember... I don't know if it was their mania match or or something shortly thereafter, but when he was having the match with Randy Orton and it was billed as the greatest wrestling match of all time. Yep. And I was like, all right, neither edge nor Randy Orton have ever been accused of being anywhere close to being involved in something that can be called the greatest wrestling match of all time. So I'm like, like I like edge. I've always liked edge as Ed said, but like neither one of these guys, In a million years, if they had a million matches, could have the best wrestling match ever. And it was from that point forward, I was like, we're getting sold a bill of goods on Edge that isn't being backed up and has never been backed up. So that's why I'm like, "Eh, it's kind of weird now. And
0: when you talk talk about someone who has ruined their legacy by coming back, number one and with the bullet, The Undertaker. Yeah. Imagine if after he lost at WrestleMania to Brock Lesnar and the streak was over and the Undertaker was done. That'd be awesome.
1: Yeah. We'd
0: remember The Undertaker in a good way. But every time that he's come back in these last eight years, it's just sadder and sadder and sadder every time that he comes back. And now he's gonna be in the he's in being inducted into the Hall of Fame. And he's gonna try to convince Dad. I mean, Vince. <laughs> that he's got one more run left in him. Oh. And we're going to get one more shitty Undertaker match. And it's going to be real sad. And growing up, man, like, I love the Undertaker. Like, I knew he wasn't like a good wrestler, you know, but it was the presentation. It was the sports entertainment of it all. You know, like, I think the first Undert- the first good match that the Undertaker had was in 1996 against Mankind. <laughs> Yeah, You know, and then, like, 1996 to, like, you know, early 98, he had a couple good matches. But then, like, (laughs) we all told ourselves that The Undertaker was good.
1: And he really never
0: was. He was, like, the definition of, like, smoke-and-mirrors wrestler.
1: Yeah. I think it should be a, a, a law written into, like, fucking, like, the Constitution that any future appearances of The Undertaker need to be cinematic. I will accept cinematic highly produced Undertaker stuff if we're going to see more. Yeah, you know?
0: and like this the the match with AJ was good, but it wasn't really a match, it was it was a play.
1: Yeah, and he killed the good brothers. Like that was yes. the death of the good brothers.
0: He wished them on AEW, you know? So that's <laughs> that's adding to his legacy of being a bad person.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. All, All right. right. Let's get into weekly purchases.
1: Yeah. Some might cost a
2: little.
1: Some might cost a lot. But I'm the hundred dollar Vansky. And your figures will be bought. <laughs> money, 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 money,
0: money. I had purchases. This week, oh, nice. Uh, I had a couple two tree purchases. What? But more importantly, Adam, I think before we get into purchases, okay. Both you and I got our shipping confirmations for our Super Seven figures that we ordered a year and a half ago. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you got your notification from Super 7. I got both of my notifications from Ringside. Uh, I placed a a Ringside pre-order at the very, very, very beginning, just the same time as you did with Super 7, and then I placed, like, I I don't know why at this point, I wish I could have canceled it, but uh, uh, I placed a second order uh right when the like first samples went out. Remember I mentioned, oh like I, I'm gonna get a second one. But uh both shipping notices came today as well. So yeah, they're on their way.
0: Yep. It's in uh it's in transit. Uh there's no uh definitive date of when it's gonna arrive. I, I did have something for my kid that was coming from FedEx that was supposed to come on Monday and now FedEx says it might come on Saturday.
1: Huh. So again, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Well, you know, um, it's it's good that the my oldest email will finally be able to be deleted, as I'm sure you are in the right. same boat. Yes. My oldest now my oldest email is only June of
0: 2021 as opposed to September of 2020. <laughs> well, you know what, Joe? This
1: only moves me up by a month and a half. <laughs> uh my ne- my now my oldest email is October. Of that same year of 2020. And that is an Asriel. uh, Mafex. uh, Import figure that I ordered from big bad toy store. Oh boy. Yeah. So that is by far my now going to be my oldest. And then we're getting to relatively modern stuff after that goes away. So any day now.
0: Yep. And zombie keeps saying that the series one of the heels and faces and the double J figure are going to be shipping any day now.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) we'll
0: see how that goes.
1: Yeah, no, I know. and I, I, I'm, I'm. This is going to come up later in the show, but uh, I need to get ahead of these figure defender needs okay. <laughs> very quickly. So,
0: let me get all my stuff out of the way before you do all your stuff, because all my stuff was figure defenders, right? Oh, okay. So I had purchased, and again, I got no problem. We're going to put everyone on blast here, right? So I had gotten uh, some figure defenders from a company called Figure Shield, right? Yep and they claim the one claimed it was supposed to be for like Star Wars Black Series and it came and I, if you remember I showed you it was like way too big yep. for the Star Wars Black Series figures right uh-huh. and when Todd got me the original Kenner Bib Fortuna it came from a company called uh, MOC Masters right yep so what I did was I went to MOC Masters and I got um and they did a they have a pre-order for Black Series ones right Mm -hmm. and i like their defender better it was like a little bit thicker of a plastic where the figure shield ones were kind of like eh right yep so um i ordered i think three of the retro style ones for the the new retro one that everyone messaged me that it's out in stores now um and for the um the bendy right yep So I have those ready to go. And I ordered two of the black series ones uh, so that when they come in, I'll have the one for the Bib Fortuna and then one for the Werner Hardzog one. When that one comes out, like it'll already already be ready to go. And this was the money that I got from selling the barely legal ticket. The guy got it. Everything was fine. I saw he tweeted out that he sent it off to be graded. I go, okay, if he's sending out to be graded, he's not going to push back and like follow Like he's a good guy, but I'm like, He's doing what he's doing with it, so I could, like, start spending that money now, right?
1: Yeah, he's not going to be like, oh, wait a minute, like, something like that, yeah.
0: So I had my list of, you know, from talking to people previously in the Facebook group, the, the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast Facebook group, and I'm like, okay, well, these are the figure defenders that I think that they said that I would need for whatever figures it would be. And what I ended up ordering was... Um, I ended up ordering two retro ones for the Brian and the double J one that are going to be shipping any day now. Um, where am I looking here? Um, a, uh, two of the 2015 elite style ones and two of the, uh, 2018, uh, elite style figure defenders. Right. Okay. So the 2018 ones were for the Bryan and for the Bronson Reed figure. No problem, they fit perfectly. The 15s were supposed to be for the NXT TakeOver for uh, Ruby Riot and the Elite 64 Terry Funk. They come in and the the cases are too shallow. Okay. So it turns out that what you need to get for those ones are the multi-purpose ones that Ringside sells that are not currently in stock.
1: And those suck because they're like giant. Right.
0: But that's what fits them. Yeah. Um. Nobody else replied. Nobody else contacted me back. So it's going to get to a point where I'm going to have to start going to other groups and say, listen, ringside doesn't sell these. Who sells for these ones? Right. Yeah. Um. And then also I was looking. I, I kind of rekindled the whatever it was for the uh, Cella Hayabusa one. Uh, The cello Hayabusa retro, the card is just slightly too big. And when I got the retro ringside ones for the double J and the Brian Myers ones that are coming, I'm like, no, let me look at the cello. Let me look to see if the cello one is like, yep, the cello one, the card is too big. Uh, There's a company called Zolo World, Z-O-L-O World, that everyone says that they're, um, Retro is bigger and fits the cellas, but they're currently out of stock. What's so the hell? I contacted
1: with all these them buying, what was uh, that? I was gonna say, what's with all these people buying like defenders? It's almost like like toys are popular right now. What the hell? So I
0: contacted them and I said, Hey, put me on your mailing list, put some sort of alert or something, so when these come back in stock, I really want to order them. They contacted me back today. They're like, Hey, you're on our mailing list. We'll absolutely send these out, but hey, just in case. Go, you know, if you're not liking our Facebook and our Instagram and whatever else, go check those out as well. So I signed up for all the Zolo stuff, the email blast, the Facebook page, the Instagram page. And then I have their thing bookmarked. So every morning when I hit my RSS feeds of my podcasts, (laughs) the Zolo world is in there just in case it shows up on the site before they send them out. And I do have an extra one earmarked for you as well. If they do go up, I'm just going to order it for you.
1: Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, I'll definitely get you back on that because I got my Ethan Page cella uh, in the mail a couple days ago. uh, And you had pointed out that the figure was so so and I do agree with you, but the card is really nice. And I'd like to keep it that way, you know, for sure. And right now, it's literally just back in the shipping box because it's it doesn't stand on its own. You know, it's Mm -hmm. one of those where like the bubble is a little shorter than the card. So you need the defender if you're gonna have it put on display. Gotcha. Um, so I also purchased some figure defenders. I made a quick ringside order. Um, I'm not like you where I want to have everything in defenders, but I want to have, uh, certain figures and I do want to go down the rabbit hole of figuring out which defenders I need for some of the random elites that I have. Um, I have like the first Brody Lee elite, I'm not, not Brody Lee, uh, you know, Luke Harper elites. Uh, they want to get cased. I have Alexa's uh, rookie figure. I want to get cased up um, and some other ones. But I did place an order for some AEW figure defenders just because I'm like, okay, uh, you know, there's the ones that I really want to protect my orange Cassidy's and whatever. So I got some of those. And while I was placing an order at ringside, I decided to buy my nephew uh, an AEW pop-up entrance ramp. The one that oh, buyers, okay. yeah, yeah. buyers did the unboxing of. Um, he's my, uh, my buddy's kid is like eight years old. He was a diehard WWE fan. I convinced him to become an AEW fan. Now he loves all those guys. He hates WWE. So I'm, I'm glad I convinced him. Um, uh, but he collects wrestling figures, has a fig fad, has like tons and tons of guys. Uh, so I bought the pop-up entrance ramp and I'm going to take it over, uh their place for the pay-per-view next uh in two weeks and surprise them so I'm uh, looking forward to that I did not build it yet I thought about building it and then I saw Myers's video I was like no nah, I'll leave that for for the kid's dad <laughs> but uh some other quick things do you have anything else Joe or is that it no
0: that's it it was just all figure defenders kind of spread out all across there you know
1: yeah okay cool uh, I'll be quick about a lot of this stuff um Uh, There was a Hasbro stream earlier today where they were announcing a lot of G.I. Joe figures. I know you were kind of keeping them one eye on the stream, right? Yep. Um, I did not really care about any of the G.I. Joe classified figures that they were announcing, but something did catch my eye towards the end, so much so that I had to place a pre-order. And that is for the Transformers G.I. Joe mashup, where it is the Baroness with Megatron and Megatron transforms into a hiss tank. uh, I was like, I need this. And a couple years back Hasbro did a similar thing for San Diego comic-con where it was Soundwave transforming into a hiss tank. And I wanted that, but that's like a $600 figure now. uh, And that's a little bit out of my price range, but this Megatron uh, was like 90 bucks, which is practically free in my, in my mind. So I had to order that.
0: So I saw the his tank thing and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I go, do I want to enable Adam? Uh, (laughs) But I'm like, he's watching this. He doesn't need me to tell him that this exists. He's going to get this regardless of me contacting him, you know? (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, there was no way that was escaping my purview. Plus, I'm at the point where I have a bunch of different Twitter accounts that I just get notifications for that are like, oh, here, this has been announced. This is in stock. And, uh, so it's, it's impossible for that thing to have not come across my desk. Absolutely. I appreciate appreciate you trying to, you know, you're, you're thinking of taking after Todd with your enabling, (laughs) um, some other quick things. I purchased the Adam Cole, Bebe micro brawler, which is like a two week preview or not preview pre-order from, uh, the, the Chicago company, but, uh, eh, whatever. I like micro brawlers. I like Adam Cole. I'm not going to not buy it, you know?
0: Yeah, I don't. I I think I'm unless there's like
1: Terry an Eddie Funk Kingston
0: micro brawler. I yeah, think totally. I'm good for micro brawlers.
1: Yeah, like, I I'm trying to only get the guys that I really like, but uh, you know the rules are are breaking down. I like Adam Cole, so but I agree Eddie Kingston would sell a million units. That should be uh, an upcoming one. Um, but yeah, so I got the Adam Cole, and then I do have I I purchased this a couple weeks ago, but I, I forgot to mention it because it didn't arrive there was a big to-do uh about shipping and it kind of got lost but it finally made it here uh but uh a little ashamed to say i got a broski figure joe uh but this was uh before some uh, recent developments but i have it in my hands now and this is actually a basic figure so it's not an elite uh the reason why i bought it is because a it was super super cheap uh b it came with like a, a a basic ringside defender and i wanted to kind of try out by comparison some of my other basics that i have that i want to defend you know so this is kind of like a research mission and c it was actually signed uh so like i said it was a good overall pro- uh, package and i'm actually sending it to you now uh, it is also the only Broski basic that was a store exclusive. This was a Walmart exclusive. So um, it's the only, only basic I have of this clown. I mean, this guy. Uh, but uh, I sent a picture to you if you want to take a look. But like I said, that was an old purchase, so I'm kind of grandfathered in. But uh, I do have one other thing. The face. Oh, my God. The face of that is horrible. Oh, yeah. it's He looks like the Miz. <laughs> Yeah, the Sculpt is probably just a reused Miz scan. Um, it's Oof. bad.
0: That's... But... Jesus Christ. Anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I, I honestly, I want to take that Defender, and there's some other, like, NXT basics that I have uh, that I want to see if it fits. If that's the case, i got to buy some Basic Defenders. Maybe that'll be in next week's weekly purchases. But I have a quick story about the Facebook group of something that I saw in the group a couple of nights ago. And it was somebody that was selling some figures and something popped up, uh, for sale. And I was like, Ooh, that's a really good price. And I did some research and it was actually, it's a CM punk elite figure. And it was an elite figure. I don't know which one, but it was the one that came with the undertaker's urn, And it was based on that, like the build up to that storyline, WrestleMania. And it was like a really good price. And I was like, I don't have any CM Punk figures that I know of off the top of my head. And I was like, because they're all super expensive. So I looked on eBay and the guy is selling it for like less than half of the going eBay rate. So I was like, Ooh, I kind of want this. But at the same time, I was like, I didn't wake up wanting a CM Punk figure. I was like, why do I all of a sudden want one? Like I was just kind of tempted based on the price. So I knew that once again, I can't message you because you'll tell me no. I can't message Todd because he'll tell me yes. So I messaged uh, Derek, uh, our friend of the show, and I kind of asked him and he was like, eh, he's like, don't do it. And I was like, all right, I kind of agree. I like the second I buy this CM Punk figure, uh, something else is going to pop up that I would have wanted way more. And I'm going to be like, oh, I can't buy that because I just bought this CM Punk figure. So I didn't buy the Punk. And wouldn't you know it, Joe, like an hour later, something else popped up that I wanted way more. And I'm so glad that I had the disposable income to buy it. And this is the thing that I was like, all right, this is going to get hopefully the Joe nod. Uh, I pulled the trigger on it and I'm sending you a text. And this is also something that I got really at a really good price that I wanted for a while. And I'm waiting for it to say seen on your end before I finish this sentence. All right. And now I'm stalling cuz it says deliver.
0: Oh, holy cow.
1: And that is a Topps, authentic uh autographed with a piece of shirt uh Luke Harper card. Nice. And I'm a little bit of a card boy lately and uh obviously when he passed, there was a big run on his stuff. I bought, you know, a figure of his, one of his elite, you know, after after that happened and I wanted a card and you know, obviously Uh, They had blown up and they, they're not going to get any cheaper. And uh, this card I thought was just really awesome. And the price that the guy was asking for was like super, super, super cheap compared to eBay comps, like a a steal of a price. And I'm not even like going to go into it, but like a a little bit more than the average figure in the group, you know, like it was, it was a really good price. Um, And so I got that figure and I actually he was selling a bunch of other figures or not figures I'm sorry I bought that card and the guy was selling a bunch of other cards and I was like oh well since I'm buying this one what will you give me or what will you charge me for this and what will you charge me for this Uh, and I basically got thrown in for free uh, another Billy K autograph. So it was like, I got something really cool that you might like. And then I got something for the grease shelf for like $6. So that was nice for the, the Billy K card was, was dirt cheap. So I was glad to, to get that Brody autograph.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's nice looking. It's a, like, it's such a weird looking card. Like the face he's making is so funny, you know?
1: Yeah. It's almost like he's got like the Mr. Brody Lee look to him. Mixed I mean he's got the dirty Luke Harper Shirt but he's got the crazy eyes Like the the Mr. Brody Lee at the end You know right
0: Uh, I feel I feel as though Like uh, whatever the Like that white shirt is one Really dirty and two It's stretched really far to Kind of get as many as they could on relic Cards
1: yeah but uh, (laughs) it's
0: still a real Cool piece you know
1: yeah If I I was a car
0: if I was a card Boy card (laughs) dude card person, I'd be like, all right, that's going to be a rabbit hole. That's going to get very dangerous, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I don't have a lot of cards, uh, that aren't on the grease shelf. You know, I have a, I have an autographed Piper card. I have an autographed Brian Pillman card, uh, and they're both in the detolfs, you know, on a little pedestal type thing. And this will go in there with it, you know, for sure. So glad to have it. And, uh, that's my last purchase of the week, Joe, uh, that's my my last happy thing to talk about at the moment.
0: Oh, boy. Is it now time for uh, all heat, no
1: heaters then? I don't know. Does DeWiki have a jingle yet?
0: He, he questioned, does it need a jingle? I said, oh. maybe. <laughs> it's been three weeks in a row, so I think it does.
1: <laughs> yeah, so obviously we talked last week about uh, there being a little bit of a kerfuffle in the major pod group around the merchandising book and how they basically sent out a bunch of them that were poorly shipped, poorly protected with the price of shipping being gouged out the wazoo. And, uh, you know, obviously I had posted in the group, my displeasure and saying that they gave zero fucks in the shipping. And, uh, you know, I think that's where we left it last week with a, a bunch of people liking and kind of jumping on, you know, on my side. Well, where we left, it was
0: me posting in the group saying, yeah, hey, if these are as damaged as people are saying they are, maybe. And I tagged the guy who shipped them out, Kanik. Yeah. And I said, maybe like people should file like PayPal claims against it if he's not working with you. Right. Because I didn't know if people had reached out to him and he just wasn't replying or whatever the situation was. So Adam was like, him and Han, like, should I say something? I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to say something. I don't care. You know? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you actually tweeted that or, or posted that like while we were on the air last week, right? Yes. Yeah. Right at the end. So, uh, I think that that post, uh, that you added on there might have, uh, slightly escalated things because, you know, some people were like, you know, on your side and then some of the, uh, major pod bootlickers, if you will, (laughs) were like, Oh, that's a little rash. Don't you think, you know, (laughs) basically being like, why would you want you know something you paid for to come and actually be what they promised you know like that kind of response but uh so this post just kept on building and building for like another day or two and i don't know the exact timeline excuse me but eventually there was a post from connect saying hey we recognize that or we realized that there was something uh wrong with the the shipping actually did broski post something first like a very brief thing yes Okay, so very briefly, Brosy said, hey, we realized we screwed up. We're looking into it. And that was it. And there was, a, you know, it was, okay, cool. Great. A response. They're looking into it. No problem. And then either later that day or the next day or whatever, Nick has a much longer uh, post where he says, hey, same thing. We screwed up. We're going to take care of it. Email us at blah, blah, blah. You know, we'll make right. We're going to replace all the damaged units. Okay, cool. That's, you know what? Whatever, whether you want to say it was through any fault or credit of myself or you or whatever, maybe, maybe not, whatever. I think that if there wasn't that post, they wouldn't have done anything about it because I think absolutely. Yeah. Because I think the people who got bad copies just were going to swallow it and say, oh, well, I lucked out or I'm unlucky and I got fucked. I'm just going to have to deal with it. And I think that. I was a squeaky wheel that got a lot of people to kind of uh, voice their displeasure and start to pile on. But whether you want to say that's a good thing or a bad thing, but like it was enough for them to be like, okay, this is a hit on our, on our like image and we have to respond to it. So um, if that was the end of it, Joe, this would all be like a patting on the back. You know, it would be like good for you guys you realize that you fucked up and you're taking care of it. You're saying my bad and we're going to move on from there. That would be great, Joe. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great if that was the last thing that happened with this story?
0: Well, uh, It'd be great if the story
1: ends there, but it doesn't go ahead. It doesn't. Uh, I don't know if you know this and I'm starting to learn, uh, Broski's not the best at customer service or at interacting with people. Uh, Because he decided that he was just going to start like chirping at and like going after the people in my thread that like voiced any kind of dissidence to the group and like weren't happy. And I had actually said something to the effect of like in a comment, I was like, oh, I guarantee you there won't be any response to this. And he was like, oh, you guarantee it, huh? Well, clearly you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and, and like, there was just other people that he was just calling, basically calling idiots, you know, for, for like thinking that like, we would be left holding the bag. And again, we would have been left holding the bag if I didn't fucking throw a stank, uh, and saying, why didn't you come to us? Our DMS are open. You could have just messaged us, uh, and, instead of going public and only like 10 people had their books ruined. Well, maybe only 10 people. Stood up and mentioned it, you know, but Right, uh,
0: and I I just want to kind of throw this in here You know, and you at the beginning of the show is like, oh, we didn't get a huge turnout for the votes uh, Mm -hmm. On the, uh, you know, likes and dislikes Versus talking points, right? Yeah So you have to bear in mind when it comes to stuff like that You know, however many people listen to A podcast or watch a video on YouTube You know, you have to look at There's a very small percentage of those people That watch or listen Are going to like And then an even smaller percentage are going to actually comment. When you ask for that extra step for any sort of social media interaction outside of the thing itself, if you're like, listen to my show, watch my video, buy my item, and now do one more thing on top of that, the numbers start to dwindle, okay? Yeah. So they said about 100 books were sent out. And Broski said less than 10 people complained. Okay, that's true. Less than 10 people complained. But of those less than 10 people, and that less than number was nine, so he's correct, (laughs) many of those people bought two books, Adam included. So there was more than 10% of those books were sent out damaged. Now, in that thread, there was one other person who said, no comment. I'll give that a push. And there were two other people that said, I don't know, because mine have been sitting in Jersey for weeks, and I don't have mine yet. (laughs) Yeah. So that none of that looks good on their customer service, right? Yeah. And I and we talked about it here. The main thing about this was they charged $9 to ship this item and spent $3 to ship it in media mail. And hey, man, I've sent books media mail, right? Yep. I've sent other things media mail. But if I'm running a business and I am charging X for shipping, I'm going to spend as much of that X... Sometimes even a loss to myself to make sure that you got your money's worth. And I got no problem saying this. That guy that I sold the ticket for, I estimated shipping it out to him would be 15 bucks, right?
1: Yeah, with insurance and all that.
0: With insurance and everything else, I estimated it to be 15 bucks. And I charged the guy 15 bucks. I spent $16.35 to ship it with insurance. I ate $1.35 on it. But you know what? That guy got his shit. It came in good condition. And if something happened, I had insurance on it. I didn't charge the guy $15 and then keep $10 of it and send it in a fucking envelope. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So yep. it was not only were the items shipped in poor condition, I would say people were ripped off on the shipping cost.
1: 100%. 100%. You're, you're making money on the skimping on the shirt, uh, uh, yes. shipping. It. It's one thing if you like I, a lot of times I buy stuff on eBay and it'll be like free shipping. And then you realize that they they sent it by the slowest measure possible with the least packaging. And I'm like, okay, you got what you paid for with free shipping, you know? But like, if you're going to pay $9 in shipping and then clearly spend $3, that's just more money going into the pocket of some already very rich people, you know? So it's not like I'm not buying from Joe Sposto and clearing out the stuff in your closet. I'm buying from people that make thousands of dollars at a photo opportunity a day, you know? So it's like, let's not pile on with the, the, the gouging onto the shipping, you know? Um, So here's the thing, before I get into more of this, I I did do some journalism. I did a journalism and I actually reached out. uh, There's a lot of people in the toy community that are like maybe toy influencers. And I asked them, what are their thoughts on like the major pod Shipping practices with like Kinick being the only source of shipping. And they actually provided a comment for me to play on the air. So I'm going to go ahead and play that. Give me one second. Go ahead.
3: Like, what do they do? Do they even care over there? Do they um, care? No, they do not. No.
0: They do not, yeah.
1: Well said. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so obviously I played, uh, I'm sorry, I, I I had that thread where Broski's just going after people, left and right. And so I I turned off commenting on it. And I was like, okay, I have peace. And uh, and then I just after a couple of days go by, I went and I turned commenting back on. And then somebody else like liked the post again and like commented on it. And it put it back up to the top of the algorithm. So Broski started commenting on it again. So I just deleted it. Because I was like, I don't want to keep seeing a guy that I like keep doing things to make me not like him. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to go ahead and delete that thread and so it's out of sight. Um so again Connix says, "All right, we're going to replace all the books. Go ahead and, you know, email us and blah blah blah." I did that. Uh didn't get any kind of response or anything, but the emails out there. Uh and then I started reading the comments in that post of Knick's, and uh, a couple things really started to 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 get me heated. Uh, two of them that I wrote down. uh, And one of them was, it's very generous of you guys to replace the books, end quote. Is it it very generous to provide the item that people paid for in a quality that they expected? Uh, Is it very generous of Best Buy to give you the refrigerator that you ordered when you gave them money? Uh, when the delivery guys show up with your refrigerator, do you say it was very generous of you to bring that refrigerator? I don't think you do. Do you do that, Joe? Do you think it's generous for people to uh, to give you the things that you paid for? Well, I, I will say
0: this. When we got our new refrigerator a couple of years ago, uh, we picked it out and they delivered it and they delivered something that was damaged. Uh, my wife immediately said, no, no. Take this. Don't even don't even don't even take the old one. Don't leave this one. This is damaged. Don't give me something damaged. Go bring me something that's in good condition. And you know what they did? That day, they went and brought us one that was in good condition. So, by paying for an item and getting it in good condition is the bare
1: minimum that you should do. It's not being generous. It's the bare minimum. <laughs> um there was another one that said, quote All the people who talked crap need to apologize, end quote. I assume I am one of those people that talked crap, Joe. Would would it be safe to assume that I'm one of the people who talked crap? Yes. Uh, Should I apologize?
0: Uh, Maybe after you get your book in good condition. Uh Uh-huh. And they refund you the $6 that they overcharge you on shipping. When those two things happen. (laughs)
1: We'll talk about an apology. Mm. See, again, I I think that when if I buy toilet paper off of Amazon and I'm not equating major pod merch to toilet paper or something you should wipe your ass with, I would never do that. (laughs) If I buy toilet paper from Amazon and uh, they don't send it to me and then I say, hey, where's my toilet paper? And they say, oh, sorry about that. Uh, And they send me the toilet paper. Should I then apologize to Amazon for asking for my toilet paper? No, I'm not going to do that that's again, I'm not apologizing to anybody. If anything, I would like a thank you for the people that are getting their merch books. Uh, and again, I'm being a uh, facetious there. I'm, uh, I'm going overboard. I don't expect a thank you, but it's just, it's completely ridiculous that in response to, to my posts that had a very vocal group of people wanting their shit fixed, or were like, Oh man, that's bullshit. Uh, the exact opposite is happening on that connect post. It's, it's pretty much all the people would be like, this is why you guys are the best. This is why, like, you know, I love being in this group because, you know, you guys are standing behind your product and you're replacing it and yada, da, da, da. And again, I don't want this to sound completely anti major pod because a week from now, I'm going to be talking about like spending money through them or whatever. Uh, But just the fact that it's like, Man, it, it is very easy to get caught in the crosshairs from a lot of uh, major pod pilled people. <laughs> and I, I feel like for the first time in a long time, Joe, I can see clearly. Like I'm seeing clearly for a little while. and uh, uh, I, I'm getting a new merch book, maybe eventually when Knick sends it out in a month or two. Uh, so I guess that's the moral of the story. But uh, a lot of drama over the past week. And
0: uh, I'll I'll let you have that and say that it was all because of you inciting a riot,
1: <laughs> staging a coup. I like staging a coup better. Staging a coup. <laughs> I will say that not often. Like you've been in that group for a lot longer than I have. Yes. Uh, I I've only been in for I don't know six months, nine months, something like that. There is never, uh, like much said. Uh, against the, you can't speak against the family. <laughs> I think is the general thing. And every once in a while, you'll see that there's like some murmuring that something happened earlier that morning and you missed it, and you can't figure out what it is because they booted the person from the group and they deleted the post. So I don't think there's much dissent in that group that's allowed or encouraged or sticks around. So I'm very shocked to see that I did not get like any further repercussions from voicing up. And I think maybe deleting the post might've done that because now I'm like off the radar.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll say this. Um, I, I don't think there was really any repercussions that they could have had against you because you were in the right. Yeah. And secondly, Um, I did like the way that they addressed it on the podcast this week.
1: Oh, I must've missed that part. Was that, oh, that's right. They
0: didn't address it at all. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was only
1: 10 people that were affected. Why, why address
0: it? (laughs) You know, over 10% of the people that purchased your product received shoddy products. (laughs) And it's because of the person that you guys joke about on the show who does a shitty job of shipping out your products.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And I didn't address this two weeks ago when the Broski wasn't on the podcast and they were saying, oh, we're going to have a bunch of guests on. We're going to have Swaggle on. We're going to have Luke Gallows. And they're like, and during weekly purchases, we're going to have Ethan Page. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Ethan Page. I like Julian. And then they replaced Ethan Page for whatever reason with Knick. Has there ever been a bigger drop in quality (laughs) of guests from Ethan Page down to (laughs) Knick? Oh, poor (laughs) Knick.
0: Oh, he had, had such a bad
1: week <laughs> Yeah uh, With that being said I'm giving serious consideration to going to the live podcast recording in Albany Next month <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're going to wear the jacket You're going to bring the broken book You're going to bring the unsigned magnet You're going to bring all the <laughs> flawed merchandise That you've purchased from Broski The Miz head action figure basic All of it Yeah
1: <laughs> Uh, uh, If I went, I'd be back to being a good soldier, Joe, (laughs) a good Mm -hmm. loyal soldier. (laughs) Uh, By that point, Broski would have won like seven more titles. They would have had a bunch more like merch go for sale, a couple more hundred dollar eight by tens and it'll all have been forgotten.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, (sighs) that's all I got. (laughs) All right. If that's not a perfect spot to end the show, I don't know what
0: is. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Another mega episode of At Odds with Wrestling, episode 179. Everyone, be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling.